And it's your boys, Roshan Gomez and Jeremy Lim. What's up, what's up? We are here. You asked for it. You've demanded it. You've you've pleaded for the battle of the century, the episode that you've been wanting. <laughs> Finally, the showdown between me and Jeremy. Gloves are off. No... Uh, no holes bad. No holes bad. <laughs> Everything on the line. It, this is it. Capitalism versus socialism. This isn't the Jordan Peterson episode. People are waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> People are waiting for that one, dude. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. We have an interesting episode for today. Um, so this is going to be an early wrap up. Uh, long story. We're not going to get into it. <laughs> but basically, for all intents and purposes, you just have to know that this is a wrap up episode. Uh, we have our normal three point format, and um, it's, it's going to be me and Jeremy, your fan favorites. Um, hailing back to our first episode when we tried it out. We talked so, about all sorts of things. All sorts of things. And now we're in episode... Technically, this is episode 20, right? Yeah, we call it 19, but we've done 20 episodes. Because we have a negative one. So our three-point discussion for today. Number one. And we're going to title... I think we're going to title that episode this. Um, How We Lost a Jeremy. <laughs> that gives nothing about what they're, <laughs> what they're going to expect from it. Jeremy has a big announcement. I do. That's point one. Okay. Point two, we're going to talk about politics. We're going to talk about Malaysia. We're going to talk about America. America, America first lah. But okay. And then finally, we're going to talk about what are we going to talk about? Finally, the the thing you talked about at the first at the start, capitalism and socialism. Oh, capitalism <laughs> and socialism. Ocean. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Mine is all over the place. So yeah, we got interesting topics to talk about. Uh, let's let's get into it. You know, let's get into it. Okay. Point one. Announcement, Jeremy. Uh, I'm demoting myself <laughs> <laughs> to become associate co-host. No! <laughs> because, no! you know, life is hard, guys. <laughs> You've got to hustle. A lot of things. Um, yeah, i got to prepare for going to maybe the United States or the UK next year. So yeah. I've got to work on some applications. Mm. Maybe go to Oxford. But really don't want to, but you know. My boss says I should try. <laughs> <laughs> Not a permanent departure. Yep. Just a reduced role. And um, you're still going to be on, but maybe not on a weekly weekly basis. Not as frequently. And I'm going to take a bit of a break in November and December to work on my applications. Mm. Mm. You know, hopefully do sit for all their exams to go to the United States. And mm. yeah. Well, I do have to say that I was quite sad to hear. I mean, like, okay, so me and Jeremy had a discussion. We spoke about it. And I think I took some time to process it. And I was sad, uh, disappointed, um, not at Jeremy's decision per se, but more just uh, realizing that Jeremy won't be around as much. Because I think you have a personality that is very calming. <laughs> you know, you, you, you kind of like, I feel like anything can happen and you still, it wouldn't phase you that hmm. much, you know. Or I haven't seen anything that has yet to phase you lah. I don't think I yeah I don't think I've been too frazzled even at work before. <laughs> yeah, so I think that you've always been a very calming kind of like con a consistent familiar presence and something I could sort of um, always rely on to know that you will be around, you know. So it kind of like uh, lessened the burden mm. um, in terms of um, this podcast and and things related thereto. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a bit difficult to come to grips with that. I even had to like text you mm -hmm. and ask you, make sure like, you know, are you taking this reduced role? Is there anything else that I should know about? Mm. You know, something that we need to clarify or sort out because I didn't want it to be 
because of some ulterior yeah, yeah. motive or purpose and you didn't feel comfortable talking to me about. Mm. So then you called me and then we had another conversation. Yeah. And then we clarified everything. Mm. So, yeah. So now I guess it's just like figuring out where do we go from. As in, we're not, the podcast is not shutting down. Most mm-hmm. definitely not. Uh, we are committed to taking this as far as it goes. But it's just like, you know, um, pivoting, you know, and working with different dynamics. So, mm. do we get another co-host? Do we, do we, change it around every week? Do I you mean, just do you, me and another dude? You could rely on your own charisma like Joe Rogan <laughs> just do one-on-ones. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> you can try it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like, I don't know, I, I think I still doubt myself a lot. I mean, I, we've had positive feedback mm-hmm. but the content that we're producing is not for everyone. Mm. You know, it's a very niche group of people that like to listen to this and they're really cool. They, they are there and they really give us uh, nice feedback. Mm. Every other week, we get feedback, like positive feedback. But it's not many people. Mm. And um, so I think sometimes I kind of doubt myself. Um, and I was, it's funny because um, yesterday, one of the pupils in my firm, she's new. And I don't know what she... I don't know what the pupils talk about. La, <laughs> but they all just disrespect me. La. They, they don't fear me whatsoever. So this girl comes to my If they're room. listening to it now, they're going to think, yeah, we, we, should go and, we should go and apologize to Roshan. Chami, to James. <laughs> One of these dudes once came to my room, he like spilled like uh, water uh, accidentally on my table. Okay. Like, dude, then he was like, you la, why you put your bottle there? I was like, what the heck? <laughs> so disrespectful to me. But yeah, anyway, so this girl comes in, she knocks and then she she comes in and then she sits, she's like, Roshan, can I talk to you? Like, sure. She sits down and she's like, um, Roshan, did you make a lot of mistakes in your chambering? I'm like, what the heck? Do you think I'm this <laughs> But I still spoke to her. La. Okay, sure. <laughs> and the point of why I'm talking about this because one of the issues that she was facing was that uh, she kept on uh, looking comparing herself to others. Mm. You know, she kept on saying, oh, these, these chambies, they are doing this, they are not doing this. So should I be worried about it? My friends in other law firms are staying up until 9, 10 <laughs> working. So shouldn't I be working, you know, till that hour? Then I was like, you know, Miss, whatever your name is, you need to, I told her, you need to calm down a little bit. Take it day at a time. Set your own goals. Right? Mm. And you evaluate yourself according to how you are doing. Mm. I mean, you can use certain people as a rough... Rough uh, benchmark, yeah. Rough benchmark, but you don't want to substitute others, other people's goals for your own. Mm. You know, because everybody sort of has, had, has their own journey. I, I said like, some people leave at 5 o'clock. Some people leave at like 10 o'clock. And mm. ultimately, does not matter what time you leave the office <laughs> as long as you're finishing your work? Mm. You know, so just, you know, and I feel maybe I need to take a, a little bit of my own advice. And sometimes the way we gauge... Uh, success, right? Mm. Especially with this podcast. Um, like, how do we gauge? Uh, it's a bit difficult to test, lah. Like, yeah. And similarly, I was listening to another podcast, Ain Aisa. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does a Stick to Speak uh, mm-hmm. podcast and she's coming on to our podcast um, the next November. month. Yeah, right. next month. And we are going to on to her one this month. Well, I'm going on. And uh, she had one podcast, the last one with Norman Chala. That's the one we, we got she uh, shouted our podcast mm. out. Yep. And it was a very interesting conversation though because that guy lives and breathes podcasting. He loves it. <laughs> okay. He has like five. Five? Yeah. Okay. Each one with a different like team kind okay. of thing. Like, he does one with just interviews with people. Mm. He does one where it's just like storytelling sort of. 
Is he getting paid? No idea. Wow. Really no idea. I really okay. have no idea. But he has a magnificent voice. <laughs> voice made for podcasting. La. And Aisa as well. Voice made for podcasting. But they were having this deep conversation. Like she was saying, you know, your voice is so amazing. And then like, how do you, is this something you work on? <laughs> so I was expecting some sort of like vocal exercise discussion. Then he was like, I had to find myself before I found my voice. Okay. Like they were having this deep analysis. And then they went into also like, setting benchmarks for your podcast. Hmm. like, And he said like, if you expect to earn money from it <laughs> quickly, uh, then you're going to be really, really disappointed. Yeah. And he said like, you have to set your own sort of goals hmm. that um, maybe, and maybe set your own goals that don't rely too heavily on monetizing because monetizing is really, really long term. So ultimately, you know, what 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 do you want your, your goals to be? You want a good podcast? You want... You want more listeners to come in. Mm. You know, what do you want? You know, and you reach for that lah. Yeah. I bet Joe Rogan started out for... F I don't know. Do you know if he started it out for fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He okay, did, he yeah. did, he did. <laughs> I think he, he started out uh, just doing uh, recordings before he went up for his comedy oh, uh, okay. gigs. Mm. So he would just stream it mm. um, on a particular website and then that just morphed into him and another dude. Uh, he started off with another guy actually. The Brenda... Is it Brendan? That guy? Uh, I can't, can't remember. Right. can't remember. Um, Jamie came in later mm. and then that guy's role sort of reduced and mm. then it just became him. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. You know. So, yeah, but I, I still grapple with that. You know, a lot of, you know, am I, can, can, you know, am I good enough to people <laughs> listen to this? Especially without Jeremy around. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we're going to definitely, if Jeremy doesn't come on as often, we're going to lose the female market for this are podcast. You joking? <laughs> we know that the girls are only listening for Jeremy. I don't think I have that great a voice. <laughs> I don't think anybody's listening to the videos. So, you know, I think you'll be fine. Ladies, he's single. Um, and he's not going to be spending his weekends here, not every week. So, <laughs> well, so logically, he should be in a coffee shop somewhere where you can make contact with him. I mean, working. <laughs> Not yeah. focused on my environment. Uh, talking points to initiate a conversation. Lenin, Marx, Trotsky, uh, downfall of the capitalist structure, mm. freedom okay. of the middle class. and Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll correct that last bit later. Oh, my bad. Anarchy state. Uh, <laughs> Bernie Sanders. <laughs> oh, I like that last one. <laughs> yeah. So, but how do you like... Okay, besides the the thought process leading... I mean, this is something you thought about for a long time, right? Mm. Yeah. How do you feel about it? Do you have any... You know, feel about my demotion? <laughs> well, I mm -hmm. won't call it a demotion. <laughs> Self-inflicted demotion. <laughs> Self-inflicted demotion. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's been fun. Mm. But I think... Yeah, I think we were talking about living life intentionally. Yeah, yeah. yeah Before the then, podcast. And then there, the... I mean, something else I talked to you about was... Mm. Uh, another sort of thing, thing I think is more urgent at the moment, mm. which is to sort of because I think one, the planet's on fire. Two, <laughs> politics is at a particular juncture where it's absolute shit. Mm. So, and I've seen a lot of leftists in the US go about trying to unite liberal and socialist forces mm. within the left. And I think at this point in time. Given the po given the rifts that have been caused by like for instance the pause Malaysia campaign, which we'll talk about later, which we might talk about later, mm. like it's a particularly urgent task, and mm. 
I think, yeah, I think that's something I need to work on because I, that's the kind of change I'd like to see in the world. Mm. Yeah. Your time is limited and so you have to be strategic about strategic it. About your I mean, time. I thought about doing both, but mm. I mean, that could happen post-January once I'm not killing myself trying to mm. study for an exam and write like two, four thousand word articles. <laughs> yeah. And I guess when we came into this, we never like really sat down and talked about what this podcast was supposed to be. It was, I mean, it was meant to be fun. fun. We yeah. tried it, yeah. yeah it was to, make to, it, to make it this far, you should consider that your achievement already. <laughs> <laughs> Legit though. Fam. Everybody else is dropped out after two, one episode, two episodes. <laughs> Everybody else. Civil society, you can try and look around. Uh, I will not, don't want to name names, don't want to shame people, but yeah. yeah, there were people who started stuff and they n- never continued. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's also because we have a pretty cool team. La. You know, again, yeah. always have to shout out uh, Sharon and Jane. Mm. And, and Jane for asking you to start it. For Jane. Good job, Jane. For, for <laughs> Jane's asking me to start it. Sharon encouraging me during the first few episodes coming out. Mm. You know, definitely couldn't have done it without them. I feel like this is like, we're saying goodbye. To I'll be back next I'll be back next week. <laughs> Jeremy, Jeremy's going to be back next week. Guys. <laughs> uh, you know, one of our friends, <laughs> he's going for ACL um, surgery Oof, next okay. week. So, and he's really, really scared. And so everyone's been trying to calm him down. And I saw him last week. Then I was like, have you read that medical negligence case? I was like, which one? <laughs> There's one about ACL. It's like, what? Like the guy went for ACL injury and then they, they chopped off his leg. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what you want to tell a guy who's terrified. <laughs> First thing is, there's no such case. Like. <laughs> Okay, all right. That's comforting at the end. And then before we, we, that was the beginning of the night. Then the end of the night, we're going to leave. Then I was in um, uh, Sharon's car. She was going to drop me at my car with another guy. And then Davon, oh, sorry, I said his name. <laughs> well, Davon, you're not listening to this podcast, so it doesn't matter. Uh, so he was in his car. And then we were side by side. And I was like, hey, man, I really appreciate our time together. You know, I, I really. <laughs> You're a good dude. <laughs> when you see that light, just walk to it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I do that to like acquaintances. <laughs> that's brutal, dude. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, coming back to that thing, like we never really spoke about what we wanted this podcast to be. We just did it for fun. And I think maybe, f- and for me, I suppose, I never wanted to, you know, bring about any sort of change. Mm. Even though personally, of course, I have values that I believe in. And I do believe in truth, fundamentally. Um... But for me, I think I was always more fascinated by the skill of building conversations. Mm-hmm. And even after doing this, I'm still just so amazed at Joe Rogan <laughs> that he can do two to three hour episodes, you know, weekly, mm. few times a week. It's tiring, man. You know, it's crazy. I wonder and if he does homework before he meets his guests. Like, I really don't know. I think he does. I, I think he has I, to, I, la, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Because otherwise, like three hours in, I'm like, what am I going to talk about? Yeah, and we all have actually a limited set of knowledge, you know. Like actually, like for you, maybe you, you're really well-versed in, for example, Marxism, right? You only can talk about it so much until you have to move on to something else. Yeah. And like, he's been doing it for so long. How do you still have things to talk about? You know? Maybe, <laughs> if you think about it this way, like maybe at the start, it was just the MMA people. MMA people have other interests. Like you, if you think about it, he's just building knowledge. How many episodes has he done? 1,000? Mm. Nearly 500? He's about yeah. to hit 500? Yeah. 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 So you think about like his conversations by this stage, he can, you know, hopefully he remembers the ones from his like first few, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's, yeah, that wealth of 
knowledge or experience. Yeah, just that. And he has had... And that's another thing. He's had time to build. He doesn't like, do anything else. Yeah. <laughs> not not these days. <laughs> no, but he, he, has, he has had time to really build the skill of building conversations. Mm. He's done... I'm, I don't know how his first few episodes went. Could have been horrible, you know. No lah, it's probably it's probably okay because I think the first the first few sets were MMA ones, mm, mm, which he knew of. Uh, he knew how enough. to talk about, of course, lah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah that's true. So I, I'm still really fascinated by that 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 um, skill of building conversations, lah. Especially mm. with people that we don't know, right? Mm. I guess he's bringing on people. He's Actually, I'm not, not, not sure. Not necessarily. Not all, not all the time. Eh? Not necessarily. I mean, like, for example, Elon Musk, I think, met first time. Oh, okay. Yeah, there like are a few it. of them he, he meets definitely for the first okay. time. Okay. He did a one with Miley Cyrus recently. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good one. I really enjoyed it. That also was the first time. <laughs> I found it strange the way she spoke in that one. I feel like, like she wasn't using, like, I don't know. Did something happen to her voice? Yeah, I think like, she went for op. Like, I oh. think she damaged her, um, what do you call that? Her vocal cords, Ooh. I think. And then she had to go for op. So yeah, now she sounds like a tractor. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. She really sounds like a tractor. All the people Andre who… Doesn't, Andre is in, here in the house. You Google… You YouTube it. Or you don't have… Do you have YouTube on your laptop? <laughs> you can just… Or you can listen to the the podcast. You just listen to it. She really sounds like a tractor. It's crazy. It's super like low and… No, people, were, people were complaining about her being nasally when she had a singing career. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't think it's going to happen. She went the complete opposite. Isn't that okay? It's kind of neat. I don't know. It would be the ex- extreme version of being nasally, I guess. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm curious to go on their podcast with Isa because Isa does this whole podcast just revolving around public speaking, but hmm. she then does a deep cut of public speaking. Like so, for example, with public speaking, you need to find your voice. Mm-hmm. Then she talks about you having to find yourself first, and the mm-hmm. process of finding yourself to find your voice. Things that it's very interesting. So I feel like I just want to talk to him. Like that I sounds like a procedural because you 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 have a form, I don't know, like a frame that you you fit stuff in. Yes, that'll be yeah, that'll be one way to go about it. I that way you never really run out of content until you run out of people. Yeah, exactly. And I just want to like talk to him and tell him like I I feel like my voice sucks. Like, can you help me? <laughs> <laughs> that, that could be your that could be your episode. Yeah, go please. On. <laughs> I'm here for help, not yeah. to give anything. I'm just here to receive your therapy session. <laughs> nice. Sometimes you know we listen back to you. The things we've done, I'm like, how I sound like an idiot, you know. I try not to listen. To <laughs> it helps. I have to do quality control for. Oh, okay, so then. I have uh, to yeah, I understand. Yeah, and I'm still waiting for. I guess you know what I realized. One of my objectives for this podcast is, I want to have a really raw, um, really honest conversation with someone that doesn't agree with you. No, no, no. Uh, that really goes deep down, like you know, like we're talking about, like a therapy session sort of talk. You know, <laughs> I want to record a. a we got close with Samantha, yeah. but I think, but I think the, I, when I listen back to that conversation with Samantha, I feel so upset because I realized there were so many opportunities to ask her and m- more, you know, of her experiences. But but I, we were too drunk for we it. Were. <laughs> That's our own fault, I suppose. Uh, Actually, no, I won't. I won't blame myself because I was too incapacitated. <laughs> <laughs> after after the episode, I was I had to lie down for half yeah. an hour. <laughs> Literally, guys, we're not even joking. L- the moment we shut down that episode, Jeremy was like. I, I need to sleep now. <laughs> he went on my couch. You looked so damn comfortable. You slept for like what? Two hours? No lah. <laughs> maybe it's two hours. Maybe it was about two hours. An, max an hour. I think I had to chow for family dinner anyway. <laughs> That's true. Well, easily an hour lah. Yeah. 
And you looked like it was a good sleep, man. <laughs> the headache was <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we'll keep you updated on uh, Jeremy's status. Uh, we're still trying to workshop this, how it's going to be. Still trying to figure it out. Maybe we'll play it by year as we normally do and we'll just see how we'll take it episode at a time. Mm. We have our uh, guests lined up for till mid-November yep. as of now. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's topic number one. Done and dusted. Well done, Jeremy. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> we are 20 minutes in. Nicely packaged for you. Uh, point number two for discussion on this fine day. The most exciting. Politics. Mm. Politics. You want to do Malaysia or the um, United States first? I feel we should do America first because that's what is unfortunately the benchmark of how the political landscape is. We sort of gauge for, for how, certain people, uh, yeah. I think for most people, for mm. most people, the general public in Malaysia they gauge the political spectrum based on what's happening in America for some reason. Well, okay, that's my own opinion. I might be wrong. That's hard to say. Yeah. So you know, we need people who are more on Twitter than me to to make that comment. But <laughs> <laughs> so um, political developments in America, we've had the presidential debate, um, one done and dusted. We've had one sick, uh, inf- uh, infected president. Yep. Recovered. Well, no. Nope. Is it? He's coughing, I heard. Yeah. <laughs> he's, not, he's not fully recovered because like, I think they discharged him after three to five, three or five, three or five days. I don't remember. So he technically still has COVID as he's heading back to the White House. Oh man, that's dangerous. I mean, he's old. He, he's, he's really at risk, you know. He's How old, old is he? Trump is what, 80? No la, 70... I'll say 73. Andre, can you just check that? <laughs> do a fact check. <laughs> oh, okay, I so always forget to do this. I think what we're going to do is for every episode, if you have made any mistakes in a prior episode, we should just call it out in the beginning of the next one. <laughs> I think we're going to do that. So just before we go into this, I just want to um, say that an error was made in... Uh, oh shoot. What How episode? many episodes? Oh damn. WAO. Uh, no, definitely not WAO. It is either the Bernard's one or Shafiq's one. And basically the next day, our friend Raihan texted me. And then she was like, uh, you know, you said that uh, only uh, uh, universities that only accept only Malays. And I mentioned UITM, UIA and UKM. Oh, UIA is not. Yeah, yeah UIA yeah, yeah. and UKM, UKM are, are not. And yeah. I know this. I think when I was speaking, I just misspoke. What mm. I meant was UITM because I have non-Malay friends in UKM, in UKM and UIA as well. Mm. I know non-Malays in UK, uh, UIA. Very few, but they are there. Mm. And I definitely know a lot more non-Malays in uh, UKM. UKM. I yep. have uh, non-Malay friends who have even got first classes from uh, mm. UKM. The only thing about UKM is it's just the language. Like, you have to speak uh, Basa. Basa is in a pedestal. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you study law, it's half. Bahasa and English. Yikes. So even your exam papers are divided papers. Half you answer in Bahasa, half you answer in English. Oh, that's a nightmare. And it's mandatory. So it's crazy. So I misspoke on that one. Nah, Non-intentional. Uh, and thanks, Rahan, for, for, for you know just pointing that out. I didn't even realize that I said it. Mm. Yeah, okay. Oh, he's 74. Okay. Mm. I mean, that's, that's not so much the concern as like he's fat. Mm. You remember how much he eats McDonald's. KFC. He doesn't, uh, well, whatever fast food that he, he likes that day. Mm. I don't think he smokes, but you know, he's ver- on the verge of death. Yeah, like, but he doesn't smoke. He doesn't smoke, he doesn't drink. Yeah, mm. but like uh, a podcast I listened to, Chapel Trap House were joking, like Melania probably married him 
saw him eat one time and think, okay, this guy's going to die in five years and I'm going to be rich. And she's mm. right now having to be first lady, having caught COVID, mm. <laughs> have to sit in the White House. <laughs> and she's really thinking, why didn't he die soon? <laughs> the only reason I'm skeptical of Dave Rubin. Um, Dave Rubin, okay. <laughs> because before this, there were a few right-wingers that I would listen to like, okay, I like their content. Sure. Um, and I have left-wingers that I like their content as well. So like, for example, I go to, my go-to for each spectrum, for me, because I find them entertaining and informative, I go to uh, Ben Shapiro and I go to John Oliver. Okay. So I get usually two sides of the ayla, basically. Mm. Um, I don't like other people. Um, I don't like, like, not say I don't like uh, Trevor don't Noah. Oh. I just don't get anything out of Trevor Noah. And yeah. same thing, Ben Shapiro has like three other contemporaries, also Daily Wire. I just oh, feel they're okay. all biased. Mm. It's just, I just don't like it. Mm. Um, yeah, something about Ben Shapiro and John Oliver. I think it's because they have some facts at least. Okay. You know, it doesn't seem too opinionated. It seems to be premised on some factual mm. uh, basis. La. Sure. Um, why was I talking about this? Damn it. Why did yeah, because talk? presidential elections, Trump gonna die. Melania Trump. Oh, so the only reason why I don't really trust... Uh, because also, I li- at one point I was listening to uh, Ben Shapiro and once in a while I would do Dave Rubin as well because he was p- speaking to interesting people. Mm. But then he did one where he had a sort of conversation with his husband. And ah, okay. in that conversation, they were talking about meeting Trump. And they were talking about how Melania is like really into Trump and Trump is really into Melania. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> that doesn't seem right. That really doesn't seem right. <laughs> I'm not sure what they're getting at. Then. It really doesn't seem right. <laughs> um, and they were trying to paint it like, oh, people are like, you know, trying to portray that they hate each other. No, people are not trying to portray. It's pretty obvious from... The body know, language. It doesn't take a body language uh, analyst, you know, <laughs> to look at them and see that that person doesn't want to be with the other person. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, after that, I kind of like uh, Dave Rubin biased. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> okay, then you haven't watched other Dave Rubin content that left wingers have roasted. Like, <laughs> no, 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 I haven't. I haven't. I mean, uh, I think uh, not Chapo. What's the other guy? Majority Report. Majority Report did a did a yeah. They they uh, hit job hit job on on Dave Rubin lah. Hit job. Would oh, they call it the hit job? Yeah. No, like he's in. I don't know. I think he's an idiot because like if you if you follow the saga of Dave Rubin. Having sold out from uh, the Young Turks, and like, I hate the Young Turks. By the way, I understand. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I've stopped watching the Young Turks. It's a bit too preachy. Yeah. Um, but his turn from the Young Turks over to the right, mm. and how, and if you, and if you follow the chronicle of how much Koch brothers' money he's taking, mm. yeah, he, he looks like a really hard sellout. I see. Yeah, and he was like calling out like. He was calling out like, you know, the the young Turks for not being true liberals. Yeah. He's the true liberal by going to the right. <laughs> that's uh, his definition of that's being… That's a bit of a stretch. La. <laughs> I mean, it depends because like, uh, what do you call that? Libertarians who are yeah. more right-wing call themselves classical liberals. Yes. That's an interesting out. Oh, I thought they called themselves classical libertarians. No, classical oh, liberals class- is actually a certain interpretation of the liberal tradition mm. that trends in the libertarian direction. So they can invoke things like Adam Smith, I don't think Mills. But yeah, they're they're a group of philosophers they they invoke to be able to justify why they're libertarian and call themselves classical liberals. Kind of capitalist in a way. Yes. Yeah. Free market people. Freedom people basically. (laughs) Pro-freedom. We can talk about the freedom later. (laughs) Yeah. This actually feeds to our third point. Mm. Um, Yeah. So, so we had presidential debate, sick president, and then we had 
vice presidential debate. Vice presidential debate. Um, so boring. <laughs> so maybe we start with the presidential debate. <laughs> I have a lot to say. Sure, go ahead. I think you should go for it. Okay. <laughs> I think the presidential debate shows why Trump was elected. Because it was so damn entertaining. Mm. It was just so entertaining. I was watching the debate and I was laughing. Mm. <laughs> I was laughing. One of my favorite zingers <laughs> was when um, Biden said something about smart or whatever. And then uh, he, I think Biden said he's not smart or whatever. Mm. And Trump was like, smart? Don't talk about being smart. Don't, don't talk to me about being smart. You, you were last in your class. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so don't that. ever say anything about being smart in front of me. And then I think after he said that, he self-corrected. Maybe second last in the class. <laughs> I remember that. I was like, that was so good. It was damn entertaining. And I got to say, this is why Trump... I mean, Trump is good at this. Lah. Um, he might be a dumbass in every other aspect. Lah. Mm, sure. But uh, this is why people think he's smarter than he lets, uh, lets on. Because he's really... Um, I won't... Master is a strong word. But he knows how to rile people up. He knows how to take charge of uh, the, the. He can steer the conversation. He can steer the he conversation. Dominate, he dominated that. Yeah. He dominated it like this. I'm not, and I'm not saying that Biden did badly. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Biden did badly. Okay, that, okay, we will go yeah. to that. I, I think, I feel like Biden was calm enough. Uh, I, I feel that he responded when needed. Um, I, but I just feel he was, you know, like Trump was just better. Mm-hmm. You know, Trump was just better. He was just outperformed. And <laughs> well, the, some of the attacks were so personal. Yeah. Trump calling out the sun. Uh, I mean, the, the dead sun. The dead sun? <laughs> People were like, I don't know. Because the, the Biden's dead son who went to Iraq, like yeah, Bo or, Biden. Yeah, yeah. Trump was like, no, I'm not talking about, I don't want to talk about Bo Biden. Don't talk to me about <laughs> Bo Biden. I want to talk about your son. The, the one that was dishonorably <laughs> discharged. <laughs> that, that takes cocaine. <laughs> Damn crazy, yeah, man. Yeah, it was pretty personal. It was entertaining. And uh, what's that guy's name? Um, the moderator? Uh, Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace. He tried his best. Yeah. He tried, sure, he tried yeah. his best. And he's he's known for being impartial. Mm. Um, was it CNN? Do you remember? Uh, no, now he's in Fox. Chris Wallace? Yeah, he's Fox. He's a Fox guy. Okay, I thought it was he, CBS he, or something. He did a Fox uh, interview with Trump and he was pretty... Uh, um, ah, I remember. How he, how he think, yeah, you know? yeah. This is the one where he nailed him about COVID or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's actually always he's been on Fox, but he's known as being uh, supposedly fair, fair, okay. Fair. All right. Even even people from the other side, the left, also acknowledge that in Fox, even outside of Fox, he's pretty fair, lah. Okay. He he will whack both, lah. Mm. And his questions were good. Maybe some people argue he took too much of a role, instead of allowing, uh, making sure that both of them were listening and speaking to each other. Instead, he be, he re, was responding in place of it, you know, Biden yeah. and things like that. Because it's quite possible that the producers are at the back, like, dude, we got to move on to the next question. Yeah. Stop letting them talk to it, talk past each other. Because yeah. it was kind of chaotic. Yes. If you were there, like, um, but <laughs> I remember one of the best analyses is just like watching two bullies just try to bully each other <laughs> on stage. <laughs> it was a pretty apt description, given like you know, they were like trying to talk over each other. Yeah. Like, no, he's lying. No, he's lying. Like, yeah. It was Biden, all of that. Biden was like, shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible thing. I mean, that didn't do anything he for anyone. He even said inshallah at one point, you know? 
Did you I hear think that? that might. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw the sound bite, but I think it must have been a misspoke because I think the context was wrong or something. I, I think he was just saying it as a joke or whatever. I, did, mm. yeah, I think so, yeah. That would have. I mean, he's already been freaking. Uh, he's that already would give losing. a lot of ammunition to the Q people or whatever. <laughs> 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 Everybody who wants to believe that he's secretly Muslim or something. <laughs> like, this is just going to give them for the homeland, is it? <laughs> I don't know. He goes back, takes out his prayer mat. <laughs> <laughs> so what 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 what's your analysis of the debate? Uh, I think I watched parts of the debate, sure. obviously with com with a commentary by Chapo Trap House yeah. over it, because yeah. otherwise it would not be as entertaining. So Chapo Trap House is is a um, podcast. Yep, they stream on YouTube, but no visual, so yeah. you can listen to them on YouTube as well. But they did they did the debate coverage on Twitch, which is where I watch it. I see, and mm. so they're basically well. Left leaning, not they are left. They are, yeah, they are left. They are far left. Yeah, uh, but I enjoy them primarily for like their irreverent humor. Yeah, and, like they just couldn't go all out and whack. If you are left and you want something stupid slash smart to listen to, uh, Chapo Trap House is for you. Mostly uh. stupid. But all, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, all I just say is their analysis of Jordan Peterson is ridiculous. All right, That's we'll get, all I'm going to we'll say. We'll get to that another day. <laughs> another day. <laughs> Maybe the last episode, I mean, so-called last episode of you being here. Sure. Uh, before your bi-weekly or whatever is uh, we should do a Jordan Peterson episode. I have to do homework. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry. We're back to it. Yeah, uh, yeah so like their analysis is um, Biden won because Biden was winning before the debate. Right, mm. and that—that's a lot of left-wingers sort of analysis of it because everybody performed to their base. Trump performed to his base; the base was happy. Biden performed to his base, supposedly happy. Mm. Uh, and then there were interesting polls, like um, I think majority of people were watching just to see how their chosen candidate was going to do. Mm. Only seventeen people were looking for it to be no seventeen people. Sorry, seventeen percent of oh. people polled okay. said that it, this debate was informative. <laughs> <laughs> Only 17. <laughs> and people are all joking like, I want to meet these 17 people. How stupid are they? <laughs> Have they been plugged out of the news for like the last year or something? <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it didn't go anywhere. It was good fun, but like, yeah, no one really won. <laughs> and, begs the, and begs the question of what's the point of these debates? It, it really doesn't feed any purpose except for entertainment. Yeah, yeah. So I guess at the very least, if it's going to be entertaining, at least it was entertaining. Like, <laughs> and this, this leads into like really interesting because Trump leading up the debates was saying like, Joe Biden should do a drug test. Yeah. And like Chapo Trap House was saying, no, they should all be on drugs <laughs> so that we get the best possible debate. They're all cooked up. <laughs> They're all on Adderall. They'll be at their maximum performance and they'll just kill each other. <laughs> you know where it went wrong? Uh, Trump said he wanted to do a debate with uh, Biden? Biden, Joe Rogan as a moderator. Yeah, yeah. That should have been. <laughs> yeah, I would that have loved should that. have been it. But Joe, Joe Rogan was like, eh. I think he said no, right? <laughs> I don't. He didn't. I don't think he ever answered lah. Oh, he didn't. Uh, he didn't answer. Okay, I la. thought he addressed it. Yeah. Okay, he just he just put up an Instagram post with a really vague <laughs> caption lah. He like, was a quote of a song, you know, like, it's like really vague. But I don't think the campaigns would agree to it because they would like because you've seen how Rogan like if Rogan disagrees with you, he'll ask you. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. it's and it can really flow like by. Like, he could just be challenging Trump for 30 yeah, minutes yeah, yeah. and Biden would be like, can I talk, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be the interview format. And like, it's, it's too much of a wild horse because like, even with uh, Bernie, for example, mm. you know, it it had a backlash because Bernie went on Rogan's, Rogan yep. and then Rogan endorsed Bernie. Mm -hmm. And then, um, after that, people would like, cut snippets of Rogan. I mean, this is where the left sucks. La. They would cut snippets of Rogan talking about 
you know, like trans- controversial oh, things okay, and then yeah. say, oh, so this is like, you know, the group that Bernie runs with. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, that sort so of thing. So they wanted, I mean, this, these were, if I'm not wrong, Kamala supporters and mm. Warren supporters who were mm. trying to take Sanders down during the primary. Mm. So they played this up to no end. Ridiculous lah. Yeah. But, really you know, silly. I'm not going to stand by them. Yeah. So, okay. So our, our conclusion for the first debate was entertaining. Mm, you should. I mean, if you've got two hours, you should go and watch it. I, no, I really recommend. I'm, <laughs> I mean, we're going to do recommendations later. Let me just preempt it. I'm recommending because that is the most entertaining debate, uh, presidential <laughs> debate. I watched back in the day the Obama uh, and um, Rom- the Romney ones. Yeah, Romney's, yeah well, Romney ones. So. Yeah, so so I mean they were very civil. Uh, very civil, very informative. You know, Mitt Romney wanted to make sure he could go back to a cushy job with his consulting firm. <laughs> yeah. So you know, <laughs> definitely. Um, let's not even talk about uh, Obama and um, McCain. Uh, McCain. I don't even. I don't remember it lah. So yeah. I think we were, when were we? We were in college when that yeah. happens. Yeah. No, we were in high school. I think. 18? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. 17. Yeah, we were in high school. Yeah. So, okay. Wise presidential debates. I have not watched it because I knew it was not going to be entertaining. I watched parts of it. Mm. Um, Yeah, because the... Again, everybody's performing to their base. Mm. Nobody... The needle wasn't really moved. Mm. Again, because I think people... it's It seems more and more that Trump is winning. So, as an, a bit of an aside, like, there's statistics that are out that saying, like, you know, Biden... No, sorry. Biden is up by like nearly 20 points in a lot of swing states. Can we really rely on these polls though? So, the thing is, uh, most people are saying, most people who were burned by the Hillary experience in the past says yes. Because mm. supposedly they fixed the models mm. and supposedly these numbers are difficult. Like the margin for error is completely out already. Okay. Yeah, but you know, people still talk about like, okay, la, it's not 100% Biden is going to win. La, mm-hmm. But it seems very likely. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and then maybe we can get into like, will Trump try and steal the election if we have time? But mm. um, yeah, the vice presidential Bryce, vice presidential debates, uh, they weren't entertaining. Mm. Uh, com- like for a certain liberal audience, which I don't know how many of your listeners are, like they will enjoy the you know mm. the 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 class the class monitor like scolding mm-hmm. <laughs> that Kamala mm. gave Mike Pence. Mm. They all accused each other of lying. It was like ugh, mm. such a snooze fest. <laughs> 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 Except for. The two minutes that a fly was on Mike Pence. Yeah, so here's the thing about that. Here's the thing about that. <laughs> People I f- played that up to no end. Yeah, man. But that's the thing. I feel Mike Pence gets it rough because he's so squeaky clean. That sort of becomes the personal attack on him. And I feel that's a little bit unfair. That's an interesting interpretation because like liberals have nothing to say because their candidates also support what he supports. Of course. No, really? Yeah, what to some mean? extent. Cor- corporate. I mean, uh, union busting. Uh, you liberals. know, liberals. Co- you mean liberals? Liberals. Liberals are in favor of things like fracking, okay, uh, union busting, pro corporate, low low taxes. Yeah. So, Jen, Lib- are we talking about this? Liberals. Liberals. L- Kamala Harris defended fracking on that debate. Yeah. I don't know whether we. Could, I don't know what Kamala Harris is la. but she's like, my definition of my idea of a liberal is you know a very. They, they're not completely opposed. So what what this what this gets into is the notion of the culture wars. Mm. So the culture wars is an invention that came about where they fight about you know identity politics, yeah. uh, pro choice versus abortion. Yeah. Because both parties fundamentally have the same economic agenda. I see. So this is where the culture wars really comes to a head. Okay, but that can't, that can't be true because 
I mean, you talk about the Democrats. Mm-hmm. They want, don't they want to increase taxes? Don't they want to do like reparations? Don't they want, you know, Joe Biden said he wouldn't, Kamala had to defend Biden saying he wouldn't increase taxes on the middle class. She constantly had to say that. So the analysis is that the, well, the rich, they would lah. Barely. Like they were debating between 21 and 28% during the Trump, the, the Trump-Biden debate. Okay. And like, so generally, the, again, this is a left analysis that they basically have the same economic agenda. Okay. And that's why they had to play up this identity politics stuff, which yeah. they kept doing. And like, you know, like for instance, if you remember Kamala Harris talk about mm-hmm. attack Joe Biden on like, you know, uh, when segregation was still happening, yeah. she experienced segregation yeah. because of Joe Biden. The buses and the all bus- that. The busing and all that. Yeah. So like, it was a lot of, yeah, a lot of these kind of like posturing. It's so weird that she's his vice president. She she went hard on Yeah, on she Biden. did. She and went hard. But now, you know, she's got a cushy post. <laughs> so, oh, number one supporter. He's supposedly going to win. <laughs> so, you know, it doesn't matter if... So, I mean, back to the... The fly thing. I mean, like, that was just good fun. Yeah. But if you're, because I don't, I try to avoid this kind of liberal media, so I don't watch John Oliver. No, I, I so I haven't watched his analysis about this. Yeah. Thing, yeah. So, but to me, if you're, if you're observing that liberals are attacking that, mm-hmm. it's because they can't attack him on the policy. Yeah. No, I, I actually noticed this on the news. Uh, oh, the news had it. Yeah. yeah. The news reports. Okay. You yeah. know, so, and I, what I've noticed in the past few years that Mike Pence, it, it's always been identity slash personal attacks lah. Because they don't want to attack him on all the other evil shit he's done. I don't know. I mean, all <laughs> I hear is that he's a robot, he's an alien, you know, he, you know, because he's whiter than white, you know, that that sort of conversation. I feel like, mm, you Yeah, know. that's that's typical, that's cultural identity politics yeah. kind of stuff lah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not crazy about that. Yeah, it just feels a bit weird. And, um, yeah, so that, that I feel like is a bit of, it's a bit unfair to Mike Pence. I don't, I've not heard him say anything that's, you know, that like amazing or, you know. You think he's like, you, I mean, you're, you're defend, I mean, not defending. You're, you're I'm talking about the def- idea that he's like, he's just a standard person, la, standard yeah. Republican, la, right? Yeah, yeah. It's nothing I, to really attack. Yeah. <laughs> no, so the, I'm, I'm saying like, I don't, I'm not someone like, oh, I'm a Mike Pence fan, but at the same time, <laughs> I don't I, think there are many of those. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, I don't like how the sleight of hand that, you know, leftists use to attack uh, him la. and again la, you take the moral high ground when it, it suits you la. and then it's like a bit of a sleight of hand la. then you find someone who is not like Trump who in a way is actually the opposite of Trump sure but then you attack him on a different tangent la. you know you have to change your battle strategies I just find that weird la, you know yeah. mm, I think it can be a bit distasteful when it comes to how liberals choose to do that again because they don't want to engage on the fact that you know like on the China issue they're not much better Mm. On f- like most people think that if Hillary had won, mm. foreign policy would not look different. Yeah, it would could still be anti Iran, could still be anti China, in all the same ways. So, it to me it seems like liberals have run out of tools in their toolbox to mm. attack the Republicans. They have to do our identity politics. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. So, uh, but the attacks on Pence de- really depends on who's making them and how. Yeah. Yeah. So guys, um, if you're still struggling for who to vote for, Trump or... Don't or worry, you're Malaysian. <laughs> yeah. You're not worrying about uh, it. <laughs> happy for you, you don't have to make that decision. <laughs> so calm down. <laughs> I mean, now, now, is this our segue into Malaysia? <laughs> yeah, let's go into something that's going to relate to you, which is Malaysian politics. Um, Malaysian political sphere has been very funny. Um, we're not mm. going to talk so much about, you know, we all know that 
uh, Anwar Ibrahim is meeting the Agong Tuesday. Tuesday. By the time you listen to this, you will know the outcome. <laughs> hope things are well. Uh, but um, hope the hope nothing is being burnt down. Uh, Not likely. Hopefully. Not likely. Uh, so, but we are more interested in a conversation about this uh, phenomenon that yeah. has just happened. The Pause Malaysia phenomenon. Pause Malaysia by our one and only legend, <laughs> Mr. Said Sadiq. No, he's been long enough around. I mean, he's been around long enough we, to be a legend. We can talk <laughs> about uh, Muda as well. The whole concept of Muda and also... Okay, because I've been, I've been quite plugged in. Yeah. I wonder what you see on the margins. Yeah, because I'm not. So I can just tell you my, my, my caveman, you know, <laughs> point of view. <laughs> You're seeing it as drawings on the wall? <laughs> Jeremy gives so much of legitimacy to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You can we bring me dead. on when you need an expert, I guess. They're dead. <laughs> okay, so yeah. Uh, you want to start or I start? You go for it. I mean, you you tell me a bit of like your impressions of it. Mm. And try. I'll try and fill in the blanks. Okay, sure. Yeah. So, I definitely feel the sentiment in the sense that I look at the older generation in parliament and I do think that, okay, your time's up. Lah. Mm-hmm. It's time for you to get out. And let's get let's clean this up and let's get uh, fresh faces. Hold on. As somebody who's worked with uh, some, I mean, I, you're happy to disclose who you worked with your internship? Yeah, sure, MP? sure, sure. I interned with um, uh, Fami uh, Fazil? No, 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 no. Um, Shoot. Nick, Nick. Yeah, Nick Nazmi. Yeah. Nick Nazmi, who at the time ran for. Um, um, Which constituency is it? Uh, M- uh, Setia Wangsa. Mm. He ran for Setia Wangsa. Before that, he was Adun. Mm. So this was like oh, okay. up, up for him. La. Nice. So. Um, I yeah, I interned with him. Spent I mean considerably quite a lot of time with him. Yeah. Uh, so we, so you might you might be I mean if, I don't know if you'd consider yourself more pro harapan. Uh yeah 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 definitely definitely mm. I know you, you okay look um I I interned with harapan but I'm not a card carrier. Yeah, yeah okay you that's know? fine and so a lot of people are not card carriers. Yeah so. Even though they wanted me to become a card carrier, okay, I kind of right. I, I'll sign up later. <laughs> um, no, and I was there during the elections. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going for the dramas. I went up north. I went down south. Mm. I even followed him to uh, Sabah. Mm. Right. So I was with him on the road. Um, I was doing like random stuff, like putting out flags and you know all nice. that, all that jazz. But the most interesting was the dramas, mm. and I was hearing the conversations, and I was not particularly impressed. I felt there was a lot of identity identity politics going on. Sure. And I felt there was a lot of oversimplifications. And even at the time, uh, not to say that I'm so much more smarter than anybody else, but to me, their policies didn't make sense mm-hmm. because they were proposing a lot of... Uh, cut, free, free stuff? Uh, no, so they were saying, we're going to cut all these things. Ah, so we're okay. going to cut taxes. There's, we're not going to have tolls. Mm. But then we are at the same time going to abolish PTPTN. Mm. You know, so something mathematically didn't add up. Yep. And so when people would ask them, where are you going to get the money? They would use a magic word. Corruption. We're going to cut the loopholes, you know. Mm. We're, we're going to remove corruption and that's where the money's going to come from. Yeah. And I, from that time, considered it a side of hand. And I knew that most probably is bullshit. Mm. Even smart people like, um, what's his name? Ong, Ong Ken Ming. Ong Ken Ming was like so confident in saying that he's going to abolish all tolls. <laughs> he was so confident. Right, I, that, I watched an online drama of Hisla mm. and he was like, I went through the documents. I've read the agreements. We can do it. We would save money, in fact, mm. by paying it out now if you consider the long-term yep. payments you have to make. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it's that simple. 
You mm. know, I really don't think it's that simple. But I mean, at the time, I think I trusted that he was a smart dude. Yeah, same. At the same, but at the same time, I'm like, uh, at the same time, their defense after the fact was, uh, you know, there was more corruption and more leakages than we had imagined. Bullshit lah. But, but I mean, I only asked you that because like you are someone who might have held out some hope for Harapan. I did. Notwithstanding all these things, mm. I hoped, um, I I knew that it was better than what yeah. Bryson was. And I, up to now, I don't regret. Um, mm. I mean, I'm so sad that Pakatan is not in power. Yep. But, I was happy with the freedoms. At, at least I think at a… At a material level, the freedoms were… Were good. You were know? better, yeah. I'd rather have a mismanaged government <laughs> than a fundamentally corrupt… Okay, uh, yeah. You know, there's a distinction. And… Um, I mean, sorry. I, I only asked because like… So now you see what he key terms is a, what people are positioning as a third force. People we really don't know if, you know, Muda is actually going to be end up being Pakatan aligned very likely because given Syed Sadiq's relationships with like, I think you've, you might have seen TikToks with Syed Sadiq and Hannah Yo and, Yo, and Yo, Yo, Yo be in it. Yeah, yeah. So like, I don't, I think he can broker a deal. Yeah. So, so the likelihood of it being a third force seems kind of low, but like, what do you perceive of it being a third force? I re- I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be a third force because the, that's the problem with Malaysian politics in the sense that the ideological battles, mm-hmm. uh, the lines are very obscure, if yeah. not non-existent. Not non-existent. Yep. And so when we talk, it's very problematic because when we talk about coalitions, it's a jumble of ideological, not ideological. It's, it's incoherent to some extent. Yeah. yeah. And so I understand. So what, okay, this is my evaluation. Sent, at the ground, young people were like, look, we need to get rid of all these old dudes. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. And I really have a lot of hope for the next generation of people. Sure. Because they are growing up with the 1MDB scandal. They are growing up with Pakatan, this f- fiasco. Sure. And so, young people are really plugged in. When I was campaigning uh, with uh, YB, uh, Nick, Naz- uh, Nick Nazmi, you go to schools, pass, just just passing schools, right? On the mm-hmm. road, you're just walking by. And so, of course, you just cheekily just pass a few flags flyers, around yeah. okay. and flies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then parents, uh, kids would be like, Najib Bodo. <laughs> And when we were growing up, that was unheard of. You know, we never really criticized yeah. Mahate. We didn't think about it that much. Also. Yeah. yeah. So kids now are really, really plugged in mm-hmm. and they are so like aware. So I do have hope. So I understand the sentiment, but I feel again, like sometimes how people tend to overcorrect. So then like Sai Sadiq's like, okay, let's do a party of just young people. <laughs> and like, for me, when I just, okay, let me think about that. Then I'm like, so, okay, Sai Sadiq, Muda, fair enough. What happens when you get older? Like, oh, what okay. happens when Syed Sadiq gets older? He has, he, he joins Pajuang. <laughs> mean, like, he, he quits and joins Pajuang. <laughs> you know, like, no one gives up power unless it's in your constitution that you have to leave the party, mm. which I doubt. Uh, we'll see at the Congress if the Congress but, goes down. Look, if they say that, you know, 50 years old, you have to leave the party, mm. I would be more disposed to, uh, predisposed to. To, to support vote for them. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. But as of now, it's just like, it seems to be uh, more banging on sentiment mm-hmm. rather than any sort of ideolo- ideological substance. There's no, so I don't know what they stand for besides like, I think you were saying that they have the five, the five pillars that they talked about. <laughs> so I, I, other than that, I just look at them and I know a lot of young people that feel uh, hopeful about this party. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm a little bit more skeptical. Sure. Um, and so, 
And to be honest, I've not really been impressed by Syed Sadiq's performance mm. as a MP. Mm-hmm. I think um, it was refreshing to see him there. Had a lot of hope when he was running, but there was nothing substantive that I saw him. You know, mm-hmm. all the things that he was famous for doing <laughs> were not had nothing to do with him policy. Ah, yes. They were like speaking out about uh, what Zakir They, you know, inviting him for dinner. It, it ended up being a lot of his so-called U-turns. Yeah. L- yeah. Let's not forget the lady who came in, the gaming one, the gaming scandal. I don't remember the gaming scandal. You didn't? I, I, think, I've, I think I've heard it, but you can refresh my memory if you have the details. I think it was, um, he had gotten, his team had gotten uh, someone to come in to pitch some ideas. Yep. And when they did a search about the company, it was like really new. Ah, okay. You know, and it was like nothing. This it company looked was, dodgy. Uh, la. Looked dodgy as heck. Ah, okay. And they were like, how did she even get a meeting? Mm, okay. You know, things like that. Com- if you compare to, for example, um, you know, Hannah Yo. Hannah Yo, at any point, she was always talking about issues in relation to her her, her ministry. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, Theresa Kok, you can, you can criticize. Uh, mm-hmm. She might have not performed uh, well. She might not have performed well given the nature of her ministry. Yeah, it's a tough. Yeah, it's very tough. Yeah. The stakeholders were very different. What's the transport minister? Uh, ah, shoot. Okay. Anthony Lok. Yes, Anthony Lok. I Lok. thought Anthony Lok was good. He communicated. Yeah. Think, yeah. That's what a minister, you know. Health minister doing. was also good. Ah, health minister, what's his name? Uh, Zulkifli. Loved him. I thought he was good. Yeah. I thought he was very, Zoo, very yeah. good. Ah, yes, correct. Very good. So, you know. So, I mean, in that sense, even if. Should we. It's very, it's very doubtful he did that much. Because how much he... Like what he ended up communicating was his personality. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think so, that's the problem. So even Yobin didn't try that. Yeah. Um, who else was high profile? Like yeah. Masli... Yeah, Masli performed Mas- the worst, la, unfortunately. He also, there was a lot of hope, but then he just made a lot of weird... Yeah, he, he did too much PR. Yeah. <laughs> he did too much PR poorly. <laughs> He's one of those silly things. I remember the black shoes and oh gosh, you know things like that. They should have just done it quietly yeah. through the system. Yeah, like, I think it would have been fine. Yeah. So, but I mean, back to the the third force idea. So I mean, you're 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 skeptical, yeah. um, and I think and I think a lot of people are skeptical, especially since I think people have sort of already picked their camps. Mm. Uh, but I think maybe what Muda is trying to bank on is the disillusion, the the people who are disillusioned, Yeah, quite possible. But how much more disillusioned will they be when they go into coalition? Mahate is there, Anwar's there, and then yeah. it's all the same show, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, okay, I you want to call to the disillusion, that's fine. But you need to have something. Something, yeah. yeah. If you don't have anything, guys, <laughs> it's just going to be further disillusionment. <laughs> you know, it's all to be announced, to be announced. So. so that's the thing. I think with Muda, I feel there's a lot of personality. There's a lot of you mean one personality? One personality. <laughs> there doesn't seem to be much long-term thinking here, yeah, in sure. my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, I really do hope it turns out it turns out well because yeah. I do think that young people should step up now. Just the old generation just needs to leave. But um, I don't know whether this is the way. I don't know. I don't know. Because I think uh, this is a lot of anecdotal evidence that sure. that you know even within Harapan parties, people are being blocked from moving up. Mm. So you know. Plenty of people like there's a lot of gatekeeping mm. because like senior people because you know like it or not being a district head of a party or a state a state chairman gives you a lot of discretionary power. Who to appoint? Who, who to, to appoint? Move up, yeah. yeah, so you know it, it could end up being very cliquish yeah. 
And so it could be, it could capture those people. Yeah. And the, the, but the question is, yeah, I think in the initial, at the earlier stages, I'm like, if, if it's supposedly, if it's supposed, and they haven't come out fully in support of this, if it is progressive in the way that, like, you know, we are going to do healthcare, education, I mean, basically like social democracy, like mm-hmm. welfare states in Europe, those kind of policies. If they're going to do that, isn't DAP supposed to stand for all of that already? <laughs> isn't PKR supposed to stand for all of that already? So, like, you know, I think maybe right with all, because DAP just has has such a bad rep with the Malay community for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe they just need to shut down the party and just move to Mudala. <laughs> And just front, <laughs> just go under Buddha. I think that might work. I right. mean, if you keep the same personalities, people like, same one lah. Warning. <laughs> what are you doing in Buddha? <laughs> that yeah. seems odd. This is a strange, like you, the, the, the cup and the, the, the stone in the cup. It's just, it's just going to change the cup. <laughs> Another sort of tangent is, I also don't think we should judge people based on their age. I mean, okay, sure. I, I did just say that I want the older generation mm-hmm. to get lost. But what I mean is that old style of politics, not specifically the age of the person. Mm-hmm. And um, I think with younger people coming in, we ha- would usher in a new sort of age of uh, politicians. Uh, yeah. With a different mentality. So, I mean, this is this is something I think I tried to develop in a paper. Mm. Um, where in the past, dominant parties were defeated. Mm. There was a technocratic wing that would try and assert itself. Okay. To me, I saw that in Kyrie. Okay. So if Kyrie actually won the chairmanship, yeah. Amno could have reformed itself in a way that we might have never seen. 100%. I totally agree with you. I mean, I'm not going to say it's 100% certainty, mm. but with, for instance, in Taiwan and Mexico, when their dominant party that ruled for like 60, 70 years lost, yeah. technocrats came up and tried to reform the party. And so if, if there could be a... But we, and then there's, there's also... It's worth trying to analyze why the insurgencies failed. And why in a lot of these parties, technocratic sort of attempts to take over have all not happened. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's just that, yeah, it's possible that, you know, the parties and the way the polit- politics moves in Malaysia, there's just no room for that takeover. A lot of people think that, a lot of people have a bad perception of Kairi. But I really think um, the fact that post Pakatan Harapan, he stayed moderate. <laughs> he he didn't he didn't be, you know he started a a, cent, a research center called the center really <laughs> <laughs> a little bit on the nose there KJ yeah. <laughs> uh, my my center invited him to speak okay okay, at, okay. At the and I think we launched his center oh, at wow. Sunway University but it it is what it, the name says center he's la. attempting to move to put forward centrist politics and whatever you know people whatever said and done right any person that was more keeping. I'm not as moderate as possible because the tendency to tilt extreme right. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's already happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that because that's the only way they can be relevant. Mm. You know, yeah, to, the, out, to out Islam, to out Malay. Only pass, way they're going to yeah. get back to power. So that's why you have your coalition with pass, right? Mm-hmm. So the fact that he was there, still holding that central line, KJ for was such an important person in that party. If you believe in a moderate Malaysia, lah. So it depends what you believe about. I mean, I don't know the guy. Sure. I'm not going to pretend I know the guy. Yeah, yeah, no. I don't know what his personality is. He, he could be vying for prime minister. A, a very cynical reading was that he he stayed within the party, but he was already sidelined within it. Yeah. But then there's no credence to that theory now that uh, now that he's gotten a post, mm. right? So it, it's, it's tough to speculate from here. 
he couldn't jump ship to Pakatan because he would never have become Prime Minister in Pakatan. That's 100% you you, know, for You'd sure. be like number 20 in succession. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he only... <laughs> Guan Eng would be Prime Minister before him. <laughs> so he only could stay in Amno. He, had, he was trapped like, in that sense. Yeah. He yeah. had to stay in Amno. But he was, I'm just trying to say that the work he was doing in Amno was so, so, so important. Mm. Because any voice in Amno at the time that was trying to keep them moderate is so important. Because the moment Amno became right, extremist right, right? I think people don't understand how bad that was. They have, their network is intense. Yeah, yeah. It's an old network, you know, mm. and it's a vast network. And their reach is insane. Yep. So, yeah. It I would have been interesting to watch, mm. but I am skeptical because I think people have painted him as like a traitor, not a traitor, but like a, a chameleon. Mm. Yeah. He, he, he can speak to the English speaking crowd when he needs to. Yeah. And then he can play up like the ultra Malay sentiment when he needs to. So like there is a bit of that criticism, but like I don't really don't have that information. So I don't really want, mm. re- really cannot take a stance. But I'm just pointing out that technocratic sort of insurgency would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we have that. So moving from Muda, mm. we have this new phenomenon. What is it called? Uh, pause. Yes, Pause Malaysia. Pause Hashtag Malaysia. Pause Malaysia. You, you want to lay that out first? Uh, yeah. So... Uh, let me okay. So Pause Malaysia was a campaign probably started middle of the week. Mm. Uh whenever well, you, you can back listeners can backdate this uh, <laughs> by a week. Um week and a half. Yeah. So like uh, basically calling for a political ceasefire to work on uh dealing with the crisis, right? Uh and I think a lot of pe- media picked it up, obviously. People I think media didn't attempt to analyze it any further, mm. right? Pe- people were just, um, you know, just repeating what he basically said in that video. Like he's calling for a ceasefire. And then I think we were playing the video earlier, you know, po- politics, tak principle, tak yeah. marwa. Yeah. So he was doing a lot of this kind walaupun of like… Walaupun saya ali politik. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he started with that. Yeah. I'm like, oh gosh. The moment they say walaupun. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, but so there was, there was no but it's not responding to anything, mm. right? It's not like there was suddenly a revelation that 1MDB was happening again. Mm. The, my initial thought was, is he responding to anything? Mm. I was looking it up and I was like, not really. Mm. If, you think, if you think he's responding to the spike in COVID cases, I'm like, is that really what's going on? So one, specu- I mean, one way to frame it is that because there was political infighting, they did the election in Sabah. Mm-hmm. therefore the, there's a rise in COVID cases mm. and hence politics is to blame. Yeah. And if politics is to blame, a ceasefire is the solution. Yeah. But that, that seems like a very long tangent <laughs> that nobody followed him down. And I don't think I followed him down that tangent. Mm-mm-mm. No, he's just be- riding on the whole anti-politician sentiment right now. Lah. Yeah. Everybody's like, politicians are the cause of all our problems. That's the sentiment right now. And so he's just jumping on the bandwagon. Lah. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, I'm on your side. Guys, Please stop fighting. See what you're doing to our Malaysians. Yeah. We're out here suffering because of you politicians. I mean, I'm a politician as well. <laughs> but you know, but you guys, we need to calm down. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So it, did, it didn't seem that much substance. I'm pulling, I'm trying to pull up the three demands. Mm. Okay, the first call for political ceasefire. Yeah, you might want to just oh, say that. Yep. The second, ah, okay. The first, second first, re- first, first. Okay. Ah, now I remember why it was so divisive. Okay. Uh, first was the call a uh, ceasefire. Uh Arguing that people are suffering. Yeah. Arguing that suffering is a result of their political games. Second one is no general election to be called as long as the virus continues. 
that was what really tripped people up, I think. I Among see. the more... Oh, don't wanna, okay, don't, really don't want to say it's the Bangsa bubble, <laughs> but the among left, liberal and progressive forces, mm. this was where the split went down. I doubt mm. conservatives were like, okay, la, you, mean you call for this, we can just ignore you. Mm. The third and final request is that oppositions, yeah, uh, opposition and independent politicians to come together to find a way to cooperate and make the welfare top priority. See, if if he just led with that last one yeah. and had concrete proposals, yeah. I think he might have he might have had an easier time, mm-hmm. right? If he called for, let's say, Grab and Food Panda to increase their wages so that people had a better time, mm-hmm. like to try and find ways to, because I think we will promise money. I don't know if you got your money. No. No. So, uh, to 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 get help to people much faster, like, Because mm-hmm. you know the virus is still kicking. So this this was the whole phenomenon, and like people were like. Uh, I think I was mentioning before the podcast also like people were making comparisons to what you think were a bit disproportionate comparisons to mm. Thailand where mm. uh, the students are… No, uh, we were talking about this before the podcast. Yeah, we were yeah. talking about this before the podcast like um, the the comparisons made to uh, the Thai student movement which is against the military mm. junta uh, and against their king um, and Indonesia where… Uh, workers are protesting an omnibus bill. So an omnibus bill is just a bill that has a million different laws. Mm. But what they lumped inside were very anti-worker. Mm. It would reduce the amount of uh, uh, severance you could get. It would reduce the protections uh, that you would get as a worker. So there was a lot of violent protests. Uh, I mean, police repression of these protests in Indonesia. So people were making those comparisons and saying, you know, like, this is what people are doing in Indonesia and Thailand. And we are just calling for a pause. Mm. So like there was a lot of that going on. And like… Yeah, so I was saying before yeah. the podcast that… Okay, I felt that was a bit… Uh, Disproportionate. Yeah, I mean like… Okay, he says like… We need to call for a ceasefire in politics. Do you know what's going on in Thailand right now? I'm like, okay, <laughs> calm the heck down lah, right? I mean, there's a time and place… When you're talking about different things, you talk about different things lah. And it's a bit… It's a bit… Uh, it's like one of those like… Not ad hominem. Um, it's… Again, not a bona fide discussion. Yeah. You know, how can you have a discussion when you bring out things like that? It doesn't even make sense. Yeah. It, it, I mean, you, you. I think you would say that it lacks context. Yeah. yeah. And okay, it's not sure. attacking the heart of the… The issue itself. The issue, yeah. Okay, sure. For me, what I feel is the issue is you're proposing something that has no outcome. Like, what, <laughs> what do you expect? Yeah, yeah. Do you so, expect the politicians to be like, oh man, you Really? <laughs> you, you mean we were causing problems? <laughs> I see the error of my ways now. Yeah. You know, like what do you expect? You know? So, so I mean, the way it went down on Twitter, and only a comment. I don't think this happened on. I don't know how much of it happened on Facebook. I didn't see. But it. because of the nature of hashtags, I guess most of it was happening on Twitter. Yeah. And you would see it that way. So there were people who were obviously agreeing with the pause, right? Uh, and then there were those people who might who might have the position that most people that most. Most people who were pro-opposition in the past would naturally have that like if Anwar comes to power, things would be better, mm. right? They were arguing even things like the virus might be handled better if mm. a Pakatan government comes back to power. I so doubt. why shouldn't an election happen? Mm. I mean, but I get, I understand I doubt that. It la. I doubt yeah, yeah. it. La. <laughs> yeah, the, vi- the virus has a life of its own. Yeah. <laughs> You're not about to elect the virus away. Yeah. But And I don't foresee, you know, I'm not like a super intelligent dude, but I don't really foresee <laughs> How much more can another party give, la, You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't. I, I have my reservations about that also, lah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. at the same time, like, 
I, I understand this is a reaction, right? Sure, sure. And, I, and I really wonder if the Muda Party actually thought about it before they said this. Yeah. Because aren't they technically, they're not, I'm not aligned. Yeah. Didn't they realize that this would alienate non card carrying yeah. people who are sympathetic to their party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, and it goes back to that similar thing that we were talking about before this, which is that it seems that with Muda, it seems to be very reactionary. There doesn't seem to be much long-term... Um, I mean, one way, one way to quickly gain relevance is to respond to issues of the day. La. Yeah, for sure. So, but I think this may have been poorly timed. Mm. I mean, you can't be... I mean, I don't want to tell them to wait for the Thai protest and the Indonesian protest to stop. Like. That's not a realistic sure. kind of thing. But they're not exactly reacting to something that resonates with people. You know, I don't... Yeah. yeah. And also, like, when you're saying their demands are not demands, like, basically. <laughs> it doesn't... I mean, any, Maybe the last one. Maybe the last yeah, one. Yeah, I still feel it's too big. Because any corporate... Uh, okay, not corporate. Any management sort of... Uh, goal setting activity <laughs> you would know that it has to be there's some elements to make it sustainable uh, uh, our friend our friend Put <laughs> Putri told me about this in uh, I think it has to be the the acronym was SMART like, yeah 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 like specific it? measurable yeah yeah uh, I forgot the rest <laughs> do you remember SMART the, the analysis the, uh, the acronym oh. Ac actionable actionable <laughs> Huh? It was R? Relevant. 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 Timely. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, so there goes that none of <laughs> You feel you're not smart. I mean, not, maybe none of them went to management school. Said Sadiq is what, a lawyer? <laughs> nah, man. Didn't he start? They dropped out of law school, can? He never even started, I think. No lah. He, he was kicked know. out of he was kicked out of his university or something. Uh, yeah. But you know, like, dude, <laughs> if you're gonna manage a party, you need to know these things, though. <laughs> just ask your friend who's <laughs> a management consultant. I'm sure you have people who know this. I hope they do. I'm sure you have people who know this. I pray this. to God they have technocrats. <laughs> <laughs> I I pray that he didn't just switch on his phone and just woke up from bed and just recorded what came from his oh, heart. La. My heart would sink to <laughs> watch him do that. <laughs> but, you know, all the best to him as he attempts to wriggle out of this one. <laughs> so that's point number two done. Yeah. Moving on to point number three. This is it, la, guys. The one you've been wanting. <laughs> yeah, all gloves are off. We've got 20 minutes to do this. <laughs> Battle to the death. <laughs> Only one man will come out of Alive, victorious. I I try to imagine it as like the like the Superman and Doomsday like punch. Where we both like punch each other <laughs> at the same time. And then we drop. <laughs> <laughs> but to be completely honest, I'm really not equipped yeah. to have this conversation. Yeah, sure, sure. I I can <laughs> present I can present the other side's views for you. I can only give you a you, guys. I have a, maybe a basic understanding of these things. Topic, yeah. Yeah, I know a little bit, you know, <laughs> enough for me to carry a conversation, hopefully, okay. but not enough to launch a full-on attack. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so, maybe we need to change the image. I'll uh, play offense and defense. Maybe it's, <laughs> let's take it as Batman versus Doomsday. <laughs> I'm Batman, you're Doomsday. <laughs> <laughs> so, you'll be dead in the first two seconds? I'll be swinging around the buildings. <laughs> I'll, uh, be... I'll try to catch you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I don't know how we're going to start this. I don't know. Maybe you can tell us how you got... you. I mean, you come from a very traditional sort of conservative family, mm -hmm. right? So, I used to be conservative, moved liberal, and then a socialist. Yeah, yeah, so maybe you can talk about like how... What how what, what, what took you on this journey? Like how, how did you come to where you are now? Mm. Right. So, I uh, don't know how, how much people want to do Googling. 
But uh, I got into uh, an author I talk a lot about, Chris, Chris Hedges. Hedges. He was talking about this dude. I was there at the get-go. Yeah. When he first started listening and reading also. Yes, about his books. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Chris Hedges. He's a journalist, right? Chris Hedges is a journalist. Uh, he studied in Divinity School. He was a pastor for like two years. And then suddenly he was like, okay, I'm going to El Salvador to cover the Civil War. Mm. And then he just packed his bag and go. Mm. But he had, a, he had a lot of moral character to him. Mm. And he was anti-liberal. He didn't profess to be a socialist until like last two years, but he's been reporting for like 30, 40 years, mm. right? So he, he crystallized a critique of liberals that I, I began to see. Lah. Like they were, you know, they were feckless. They were traitors to the people they professed to, to help, you know. They betrayed the working class through Bill Clinton, having passed like lots of, you know, pro-corporate laws. Mm. So this, this, this kind of analysis resonated with me. Uh, after that, <laughs> this is the Russian Revolution conversation. <laughs> I discovered Trotsky, yeah. uh, and he was the chairman of the the Saint Petersburg Saint Petersburg Soviet. Okay, so maybe for a little bit of context, for I mean everyone, <laughs> yeah. So the Russian Revolution happened about the First World War. Uh, Correct, in the middle of the First World yeah. War, nineteen seventeen, uh, and it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to understand the First World War is insane, Messy. yeah, insane. And so something like a thought bomb happened with the Russian. Uh, thought bomb, would I say that? It started with the Bol- uh, Bolsheviks. Yeah, I mean, but there's a long history to that. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you call it a thought bomb because mm-hmm. the, the, if you want to talk about a thought it bomb… It spread like a contagion though. It spread like a contagion because I think it captured a particular juncture in history. Mm-hmm. So as, as the World War was unfolding, there were revolutions that were happening everywhere. Yeah. So revolutions that are not talked about are, for instance, the Iranian Revolution, mm-hmm. 1921, mm-hmm. Mexican Revolution, 1919. Mm-hmm. A lot of these revolutions happened post-World War I mm-hmm. that were not documented. And after those revolutions happened, they didn't have a model. Mm-hmm. The only living model for liberation yeah. was the Bolshevik model. So um, yeah. before this, uh, the, the Russians had an empire. Um, who was the uh, the Tsar Nicholas the Third? Nicholas the Third. So if you know your Rasputin, yeah, that story, uh, the story Anastasia. of Anastasia. So that's all at that time it was happening. Rasputin was a psycho. Yeah. It was a meaning. It was weird. It was really weird. He was really close to the uh, queen, the, the Tsar, the queen. He saved their daughter apparently. The son, some, yeah, yeah. And he was sleeping around with everybody. <laughs> he was a cult, a that cult was, leader. Yeah, that was an interesting side. Like so, and he side. was at the top tier of. Of Russian society. Russian yeah. society and he had formed this cult around them. Yeah. And I guess it was he was one of the figures that sort of uh, fed into this narrative of um, insane sort of corruption. And and the Tsar was very weird because they were all related. Yeah. The Tsar, uh, the, the European, the German Kaiser. The Kaiser and they were all related basically to the, um, the Elizabeth II or something. I don't yeah. Remember, yeah. So with the uh, Tsar in particular he had was it? Okay, I might be getting my... No, 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 no. Zha was not the insecure one. Was it? It might have been the Kaiser. But basically, they were all competing with each other to... A lot of this more war... Yeah, yeah. A big chunk of this war was ego and pride. It was... Of course, there are economical mm-hmm. factors, mm-hmm. but there were also Personal personalities yeah. involved in this. Uh, strong personalities. But yeah, so... Basically, this empire was overthrown. Yeah, the entire empire was dissolved. But uh, okay, so I didn't want to go too far into that because that's not actually very much what that what drove me because okay, uh, no, this is just the background of f- people to understand the context of the, the Russian, Russian Revolution. Revolution. Okay, yeah. So uh, Trotsky, chairman of the 
St. Petersburg Soviet. So a mm. Soviet is just a council. So imagine like us, uh, let's say we all work, all 200 of us work in a factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Soviet would just be a council of us that sits together 200 people and decide things. So this was at the time when, you know, liberals were talking about how their democracy was broken, was being bought by corporations. You know, you could, the lobbyists were basically controlling the US government. This kind of direct democracy seemed like the solution. Mm. And so that's how I got into this, this notion of socialism. Mm. My, my entry to socialism was very much about its democracy. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was my entry into it. And then only you get to the economics of it. Only, mm. only later on I discovered like… Marx. It, Marx Engels. and the, the… People don't really read Engels, <laughs> sadly. Uh, Marx's labor theory of value. Yeah. How you understand capitalism through the value system and all that. Sure. Yeah. And I guess it would be beneficial. Okay, two things to sort of distinguish here. Maybe a discussion on the difference between capitalism and socialism. Sure. And also what we actually mean by… Capitalism. Uh, sorry, di- difference between communism and socialism. Ah, okay. I think that's important. If you want to get there. <laughs> yeah, just… Yeah. And also um, what actually capital… What, what actual capitalism is. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people say they're anti-capitalist, but they don't really know what that means. Sure, and people are pro-capitalist and they don't understand what that means either. Exactly, because I think also, okay, we need to understand that there's a difference between the economical model and there's a difference between the ideological model. These two things, I think people inflate. Because I think Mm. some people believe in sort of the ideology, but they have no idea about the economical, you know. Because like it or not, billions has been spent by the Koch brothers and the DuPont family in the United States, Mm. rich tycoons, who spend money creating like um, think tanks and networks mm. to inflate, to conflate the idea of freedom and capitalism. Mm. So there was a long 40, 60 year process where they tried to meld the two ideas that were not there. Okay, but I'll push back on that. Uh, but mm. we need to go back to the definitions. But okay, yeah. I, I would just push back on that in the sense that even before these people, like you, t- there were criticisms of Marx. Sure. You're talking about the Austrian schools. You're talking about… Uh, yep. The origins, you, yeah. Yeah. So, you're talking about, you know, ideological differences are definitely there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think freedom… So, so what's interesting, you brought up the Austrian school. Yeah. Was that it wasn't for the masses. Mm. So, when Hayek and von Mies… This is really a deep, really a deep cut. Mm. Uh, when these Austrian economists went about their project, mm. it was an elite-to-elite project. Mm. It wasn't a mass understanding of capitalism as freedom because they didn't need it, right? Mm. You only had to convince the industrialists and the government bureaucrats to take a pro-capital side Mm. to to get the agenda going. You Mm. didn't need the masses involved. Mm. So they didn't need to conflate freedom and and capitalism in the same way. Mm. Yeah. So the ideological pushback, I agree, is there. Mm. But it's not… It's not… Yeah. It's… it's a modern phenomenon that you and I understand it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So before we go into that, let's go back to the definitions. Just help everyone out because this mm. is a little bit, can be a little bit confusing. Okay. So what's the difference between communism, okay, Marxism, socialism, and communism? Uh, okay. In the so, simplest way possible. In the simplest way possible. <laughs> uh, start by explaining that even Marx didn't like other sure. Marxists because sure. they misinterpreted his work in his lifetime. Okay. <laughs> and he was pissed at those people. <laughs> he was like, no, you're interpreting it wrong. Why are you interpreting it that way? Um, so Marxism, uh, Marxism generally re- 
refers to a couple of things. The dialectics, I think we talked about. Mm. How you have an idea, the the thesis, mm-hmm. antithesis, antithesis, and synthesis. synthesis. And that goes back to Hegel. Yeah, so this dialectic component is there. and the But the other component is that it's uh, historical materialism. Mm. So just a quick rundown. The idea is that conflict, conflict between a system produces classes. Yep. The ca- classes clash in a conflict yep. and it produces a new system. Correct. So uh, slave societies, there's a clash and a breakdown. It moves on to feudal societies because of historical, um, historical circumstances. Feudalism collapses. What feudalism gives way to is capitalism. Mm. And capitalism, the clash that's supposed to happen is because capitalism creates workers. Mm. Workers uh, by... So by creating workers, the process of creating workers is that you displace them off their farm where they uh, would have fed themselves mm. to create workers that can work in a factory. Mm. By forcing them to work in a factory, you put them shoulder to shoulder to each other. Yeah. That builds solidarity. They, through either natural process or the, a communist party would teach them that they are being oppressed. Mm. And because they work shoulder to shoulder, they have that kind of solidarity in the same way you wouldn't if you lived on a farm by yourself. Mm. And this solidarity would be able to allow for this class of workers to form a, not a coalition, but a group that would defeat the capitalists and give way to socialism. Sure. So that is Marxism in a nutshell. It believes in these tenets. Yep. Socialism… The next level. Uh, no, you wouldn't call it level. So the two levels is socialism and… Uh, communism. Okay, okay. Marxism generally refers to the study, okay. more academic kind of definition. Sure. So socialism is, if you want to use a stage theory kind of thing, is where there's still a state. Mm. Uh, capitalists are not in control of the economy. Workers are supposed to be in control of the economy. Mm-hmm. Here, there's a definitional problem. Mm. So do our, our workers in control of the economy democratically mm. or through... Um, authoritarian authoritarian bureaucrats mm. right what happened to the Russians yes so uh, but socialism would still have a state would mm. be run supposedly communally mm. and um, yeah be less exploitative supposedly mm. but mm. you know history hasn't played out that, that way mm. it's mm. really hard I mean it's really hard to establish that communism, communism is the is the the promised land where <laughs> we have abolished the state. The utopia. Yeah. So like where, where we dream, it would all happen. So anarchists and communists are all heading towards that promised land. So basically where you don't have to work, you work. Oh, no, no. You would have to work. You have to work? You have to work. Oh. Because it's very hard to reproduce life if you don't have to work. So you have to, but you get to do whatever you want to do. You're not forced to, and you get the full value of the work that you're doing. La. So you would supposedly have that under socialism also. Okay. The only difference is that in communism, there are all the, again, promised land, all oppression is gone. So you wouldn't even need the oppression of supervision mm. in the same way you might have under socialism. Mm. Because I think under socialism, as we transition to communism, mm. you have to install pff, temporary hierarchies mm. so that you know you, you push people to better themselves in ways. Yeah, because basically, again, maybe a layman's understanding, but mm-hmm. people don't want to share. Yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah. you, because like there was a lot of like really far out stuff yeah. in the in because I think there were years in the Soviet experiment where they really went wild. Like the the art, the art was particularly ex- experimental. Yeah, and science was really strange. So Trotsky talked about the creation of a new man, a new humankind, 
right? Because you really had to be washed of all this like supposed capitalist ideology mm. and a new kind of human being would emerge. Mm. And this would be the subject of socialism or communism, mm. right? Seems rather utopian, I understand. Is the problem you think with the failed sort of socialist experiment is because of sort of the dilution with all these other kind of things? Uh... So it really depends. Okay, so no, like for you personally, do you, what what do you think is the problem? Why don't you think we have a proper? Do you think we have a social proper socialist state that fits what you want? Uh, not at the moment, uh, because one uh very convenient to say mm. uh they're always under capitalist attack, <laughs> right? Very convenient. <laughs> I understand. Sure, sure, sure. So it, brothers and people like. people say it's an excuse. <laughs> like okay, I get your objection, but I don't disagree. I don't agree. Okay. Um, so for instance, uh, anarchist Spain mm. was very close. So they communalized all the farms, they communalized all the factories. Mm. Uh, George Orwell showed up uh, in George Orwell, the UK journalist. Yeah. You might have read his Animal Farm. Or 19, uh, 1984. 84. He showed up in in Barcelona. And Actually, was, if you want to like kind of like um, kind of understand a little bit, you want to take on uh, socialism, you can actually read Animal Farm. It's 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 it's, it's, it's a, no it's it, what it does is it explains the Soviet bureaucracy it explains the yeah. corruption of a liberation project. Mm. But um, funnily enough, I read it not knowing that, and I really felt that it was a story about Malaysia. <laughs> it really did. Who do you think was Snowball? Uh, well, I forget the characters. Who's Snowball again? The the one that ran away, the pig that that was forced to run away. Tunku. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I could, that's an interesting interpretation. I could, I could get behind that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Uh, so back was it? The uh, 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 capitalists attacking. Whether yeah. there's a socialist state that you're happy with? Yeah. So for instance, like, uh, oh yeah. So George Orwell showed up in like Barcelona and like got in a cab and all like, oh, foreign comrades don't pay anything. So like, basically, there was no monetary economy. They communalized food, transportation. Mm. The only issue is they were all fighting among themselves. Anarchists were fighting Trotskyists. Trotskyists were fighting communists. Uh, communists were fighting liberals. Mm. Four of them were supposedly in an alliance. So that failed. But there are glimpses of this utopia mm. that suggest that it's possible mm. under the exact right circumstances. Mm. So the criticism is that we'll never get there because ideal circumstances don't exist. True. Right? Uh, the idea is to try or maybe. Let's, okay, let's just uh, zoom in and we go to the ideological values because I think people will understand that more. So, no. Uh, I think what's more worthwhile Okay. No, no, go for the, it. Don't worry. With don't the worry. time just, we have. No, just go for it. Is to define capitalism. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. I remember we had this conversation and I had this conversation with plenty of people who are not, I mean, who net, nobody reads this stuff. Sure. Um, but, you know, how do you define capitalism? Yeah. Because people think capitalism is just the way things always was. Yeah. And if you ask them, like, most people cannot say how old capitalism is. Yeah. But there's a, there's, a, there's a Marxist definition that says capitalism is only two or three hundred years old. When you're talking about the factories coming up. Yes. Mm. So that, that it, it, it starts in England with the enclosure movement where landlords have a market incentive to chase peasants off their land. Mm. When they started chasing peasants, peasants off their land, they had to go somewhere. So they went to the cities. Mm. In the cities, merchants saw an opportunity, supposedly, saw an opportunity to increase or change the way they produce things sure. or make things. So that is the birth of cap that is sort of the genesis of capitalism. Yeah. The definition of capitalism is what is interesting. Mm. So it's the I'll just give a quick example. So you, let's say you're a capitalist. Yep. You uh, hire labor for we can use the podcast as an example. 
Okay. Okay, I hire Jane. Uh, okay, so you hire Jane for uh, five bucks an hour. Yep. Um, let's say all the material to put together a podcast is five bucks also. Yep. So that's a total of 10 bucks for yep. an hour's worth. Yep. And you get, and let's say each hour of a podcast is worth 12 bucks. Okay. Right? So that means your profit is two bucks. Two bucks, yeah. Right? So the question is, who made the two bucks? Oh, did, did I in putting everything together or her in actually putting in the work? Correct. So the so Marxist contention is that… Who does the two bucks go to? Yeah. Right. So the Marxist contention is that uh, the two bucks belongs to the worker. Mm. It is exploitation to have taken the two bucks away mm. because what the capitalist has essentially done by using this uh, accumulated capital mm. is to put into motion something that he doesn't need to act on. Mm. So dead capital that he puts into, he puts into motion… Mm. Therefore, the living capital is the one that is deserving of the two bucks. Mm. This is the definition of exploitation. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. no matter how much a CEO is paid, yeah. as long as he has to sell this labor to reproduce his value, yeah. technically, he's exploited. Yeah, correct. You were saying that. So because people think that, uh, oh, I'm anti-capitalist, I'm anti-Jeff Bezos, I'm anti... Mm-hmm. But in the technical definition, you could even have CEOs being uh, oppressed. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but people are not running off that definition. Sure. So plenty of anti-capitalists could also be anti-free market capitalists. Mm. So what they want is a regulated market. Yes. Right. So. So that's what I would consider myself, lah. In that way, I, I, I pro-regulated market, lah. Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. personally that there is a tendency for markets to um to. to Overcorrect or to go awry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. And so then it's like a game, lah. Like a <laughs> you need you need rules, yeah. And you need to stay within the ambit of those rules, right? No cheating, uh, <laughs> no going psycho. Okay. Um, I think I like um what Andrew Yang's definition um, human centric capitalism. You oh, know, okay. It's something along those lines. At my know? workplace, my boss Jeffrey Chia uses compassionate capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something along. <laughs> again, also maybe I like those kind of statements because. But I think I like the analogy of a game. La. Having okay. rules and mm. you have to stay within the ambit of those rules. La. So I think that's the… That, that's your food? Yeah. Is that your food? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the ambit of those rules. I get that. Mm. But so, so the, the Marxist or socialist critique, a more uh, deeper reading of it is that markets in themselves are never free. Mm. So that's one, one central tenet. It's the idea that markets are humanly constructed. Yeah. And therefore, it has ten, it, as a human construction, it has tendencies. Yeah. It, is not, it is not a game in the way that you set up the rules. It, sure. And what we've observed through history… It's a creature. Is that, yeah, it's almost a creature outside your control. Sure. So the tendency towards monopolies mm. will always exist in capitalism. Mm-hmm. If you try and regulate it, capitalism… Capitalist or capitalism itself as a force mm. will begin to fight you on the regulations and eventually just steamroll it, right? So it's the idea that even if you believe that there can be rules, the rules don't last very long. Okay, let me ask you a simple, not a, yeah, a simple yet you know common <laughs> question. I think. Mm. I mean, okay, what? I would say Jeremy, you use. Technology, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> you use uh, what Android? Yep. You use Android. You have a smartwatch. Yep. I feel right? a smartwatch. <laughs> yeah. You use. You're plugged into the internet. Yep. You know. You live in this material world, mm-hmm. and you enjoy the benefits of what would you could argue is the cap- fruits of a capitalist structure, right? Yeah. Because you talk about these companies who put in this money, 
they accumulate money, they get people, earn more money, they reinvest the money, they build bigger, bigger, get more money. And that's the incentive to build these companies, right? Yep. The, the ability to earn more and more. Mm-hmm. And so society benefits from the product. That, right, the the distorted no okay. This is an Adam Smith argument, right? Sure, yeah, right. So that, Adam Smith basically talked about specialization. Uh, in he, he's, he was the division of labor guy, but it was the idea that in capitalists pursuing their self interest, yeah. people prosper. Sure, yeah, 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 correct. So what what would be your argument to that then? So the on the more personal front of using like you know you, you can attack lefties why are you using a man aren't you anti-capitalist why are you writing your thesis about destroying the capitalist structure on your macbook pro because like i mean because the because the paper companies and the pencil companies are also bought <laughs> but as an as an argument of course people get this a lot yeah and there's a very standard sort of reply that we we have to fight for a different world within this world. We yeah. cannot be disconnected from it. Okay. We cannot, like, in our attempts to defeat this system for the liberation, so for what we think is the liberation of all, mm. do it from doing from outside this world. We cannot, you wouldn't be able to win the anti-capitalist struggle by going into the forest by yourself and trying to struggle from there. So you're saying that we might have to, it might be a trade-off? We might have to give up technological advancements for the benefit of... Oh, no, no, of- no. I'm just saying that uh, it is not a contradiction mm. to use capitalist products okay. as you struggle against capitalism. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. But what about the second part, which is... Ah, the incentive problem. Yeah. Okay, so this is where, as somebody who's attempted to study both anarchist and Marxist sort of theories... So with a, uh, before that, with the anarchists, you're talking about no state whatsoever. They don't want state. Don't start with no state. But how, how would that work? So, okay. So, uh, let's not go on to this too long. Yeah, don't Anar- worry, like, chill. Like, don't worry, it's okay. Anarcho-syndicalism, something you might have heard of from Noam Chomsky. Mm. People, people were calling themselves anarcho-syndicalists without understanding what it is because <laughs> Noam Chomsky was one. Because Noam Chomsky is a pretty- The amazing thing then about Noam Chomsky is that he's a linguist. Yeah, yeah. That's his background. I no, but there are plenty of like Marxists who are like kind of weird. Like they're geographers. Like this one <laughs> geographer is the most famous expert on Marx. Wow. Yeah. He's a pretty cool dude. Okay. Uh, but then recently came out and recently was cancelled for not being Marxist enough. Uh, this is the problem with the left. Never mind. Let's not go into yeah, it. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> then you were saying? Uh, so anarchists. Mm. Um, so if you would talk about syndicalist model. Mm. Um, so one, one, I mean, like it or not, we all work somewhere. Right, mm-hmm. uh, whether we in the past people work in factories, now you work in a law firm. Sure. But imagine that each each sort of like a fact, factory company or firm mm. was a council. Sure. Right, and the workers democratically owned it, mm. and so this becomes the smallest unit of governance. You see, sort of talking about a corporacy lah that we used to have in school. Uh, where you actually get involved <laughs> instead of just watch the corporacy grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the principle of it. <laughs> yeah, the principle of a corporacy. Um, so you would just have, you would have those mm. as the smallest units. Mm. Uh, there could be rules about like minimum how many. Mm. But these, these groups would each have one representative that moves up to the district level. Mm. At the district level, there'll be a council that would make decisions and vote on legislation. At the district level, then obviously they would elect a certain number of people that would go up to the uh, state level. And then from the state level, a few, few more go up to the national level. Mm. So it would be governed, anarcho-syndicalist style, through this pyramid of structures mm. where if you vote for something, it has to be carried all the way to the top. Mm. You don't pick an MP that just goes there. You can't, you can't hold him accountable. You, 
as somebody who's supposedly liberated, have supposedly more time on your hands because mm. we've socialized a lot of production, would be able to have time to debate with your people in the council. But would we get anything done with that sort of model? It seems so, so it seems utopian, but if you can imagine a future where Adam Smith talked about where we were supposedly working 20-hour weeks mm. by now, mm-hmm. if you had 20-hour weeks, you'd have a lot more time to think about policy. Mm. This is the Athens argument, right? That yeah. everybody owns slaves, so they had time to debate policy till yeah, yeah. like, you know, till nighttime. Um, but in a world where we've somehow achieved four-hour workdays… Well, with, the, with technology that's coming, it's not that far-fetched. It's possible, right? Mm. So that's where it would be. La. And mm. that would be the most democratic, right? Mm. Everybody's vote counts, mm. right? Mm. And it, you, would, you would try and create rules in which that it would work. So communism, if Germany had gone full communist, mm. this is the system that might have been in place. Mm. Instead… Uh, the Bolsheviks won, so different model. Mm-hmm. So, but this pyramid of pyramid of uh, councils or unions would be the way that anarchists think would replace the state. So, your so for instance, your union would your union or your district would run education, mm-hmm. and you'd get to vote on it, mm-hmm. and you'd get to help them decide like the pff, the lunch menu or whatever. <laughs> la. You want to vote on that, no problem, right? Mm-hmm. Or you want to elect someone to decide that. But it's the idea that people are in that sense free mm. to vote and decide on everything. I guess that's the biggest uh, sort of criticism of Marx and that maybe that I hold as well. Oh, so Marx doesn't recommend this system. Oh, serious? This, this is not a Marx recommended system. This is a French invention. I see. Yeah. The syndicalist movement happened a little after Marx. Okay, well, what, um, then I would say, the I guess alternative modes besides capitalism, mm-hmm. structures, the criticism is, it, it's... It sound it the sound? practicality la, whether it's practical. Correct. That yeah. seems to be and that's also criticism of Marx in the sense that a lot of, lot of well, not a lot, but no, a lot of people, and I guess I hold this view as well, Marx seemed to um diagnose mm-hmm. uh, the or see the problems very well. Yeah, yeah. And in fact he predicted yes. uh, many of the things that were going to come. Yep. All right. But he didn't really give a, a, a solution. So he says, I mean <laughs> Very strange reply. The workers will figure it out. <laughs> he just popped it off. Because <laughs> this, this asshole was drinking and smoking. He wasn't going to live past like 60 or whatever. So he was like, someone else will solve this. Actually, I never wondered about his personality. Was he? He was… Like some of them are really interesting. Like Trotsky is a very interesting personality. Trotsky, would not, you would not be his best friend. He was stuck up. <laughs> He's quite a weirdo. Yeah, very much. Li- he was like, I think that, a class monitor. He would tell on you if you told on someone else. Let's not even go to Stalin. Uh, Stalin was more of a no human being towards the start. Oh, okay. <laughs> Interestingly. But then he uh, yeah, morphed but, into… <laughs> back to, I mean, Marx… Yeah, Marx was a bit of an erratic character. Mm-hmm. Like he would like he would stay up to like three or four in the morning writing, smoking and drinking. Mm. And then, you know, not pay his debts. Like, <laughs> Angles had to come bail him out. <laughs> so like a lot, like very interesting right-wing critiques. I'm like, Max, Marx couldn't manage money. You want him <laughs> to tell you about economics? Forget it. <laughs> so like, that's, okay lah. That for me… Is that def- seems like a personal attack lah. That's, no, that's like an ad hominem lah. Ad hominem, for right? sure. That's ad hominem. Yeah, so, you know. Like, but who the hell are you to talk to me? Look at your… Oh, it's, <laughs> this is basically like Trump lah. Don't yeah. talk to me about being smart. <laughs> You're last in the class. You're last in the class. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like that. Uh, yeah. So, uh, back to Marx. He hmm. never prescribed anything. Okay. That's the problem. The people tried to write books about his prescriptions. Yeah. And I read some of them and like, he's not, he, he only hints at it. 
Yeah. So there was a famous incident called the Paris Commune where workers took over the entire city of Paris and ran it democratically like the way I just described. Is that the May... Uh, no, that might be... That was the famous... Uh, May 96. Uh, May 96. There yeah. were communes that were sparked from May 96. Yeah. Uh, People compare it to actually BLM now. In the, yeah, because you in, the famous chairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or chop. Yeah, you told me about chop. So that's another criticism of... For example, like chop, it's an experiment, right? Uh, let's let's um let's communally let, let's liberate go, the space. And yeah, all that. you know we have borders. Uh, it's going to be a commune. Everyone's going to be free to do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, it falls apart because what happens is people start getting raped. Yeah, uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, the 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 it's the transformation problem. Yeah, it's how you transition. So because you're going to need enforcers. No, right? you're not only just going to need enforcers. People. Mm. And this is an interesting segue because uh, I'm doing, at work, I'm doing research on Orang Asli. Orang Asli. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there have been anthropologists have been talked about like I how... Just, just, sorry, before you continue, just to explain that sound, uh, that was the mic that I, Jeremy I hit, hit. I hit Because it, it made a very weird metallic sort of... Uh, mm. It sounded like someone got hit in the pole. Mm. <laughs> Everybody's okay. Everyone right? is safe. Everyone is healthy. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, okay. So sorry, yeah. So it talked about like how the orang asli because they have been forced to interact. Well, they not not they've been forced to interact with the market. They are now f- much more heavily involved in our market economy. Sure. They they their sort of egalitarian values have been eroded. Yeah. Over time, they become more selfish. They tend less to share. Yeah. They tend to be more secretive. Yeah. So there have been anthropological studies of this. So what you would have to do to get to socialism mm. is to reverse that, mm. right? To get us to be less selfish. To mm. get us to understand that it's safe to share, yeah. we're not going to run out. That's right? the ideological point, which I think the most surprising thing about reading about Marx is the him talking a lot about like your value of life. You mm-hmm. know that you're not meant to you're work not all day. Yeah. You're not meant to work all day, and you're not meant to do things to such a specificity. Yeah, that you become stupid. <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to work like a sort of McDonald's sort of like. So well, it, even more niche than that, lah. Maybe. Yeah. So like the way I would describe, you're not supposed to make like nails, just nails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so the uh, because in his book he talks about how uh, what capitalists did in the past was like let's say there are twenty watchmakers. Correct. They would bring them under one roof yeah. and would tell them you're going to make this part of the watch. Correct. And over time they would only be able to make this part of the watch. Yeah. What is worse is that they would bring in a new generation of workers who are not watchmakers and then teach them how to make that one part. part yes. And over time, that means that each worker only knows how to make this part yeah. and that's the extent of his knowledge. And in, at a psychological sort of point of view, he's sort of arguing that you, as human beings… It, we're it, not meant to do that. Yeah, we're supposed to make a product in its totality and… That there's a process and there's a joy to making yeah. things. There's yeah. a human… That, that, that's a humanistic side of his argument yes. that… There is, there is supposed to be that joy in creation yeah. that is sort of missed out if you're only going to make that one part. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And so uh, that's also the that's a that's a more moralistic argument against capitalism uh, that would make us the stupidest creatures on the face of the earth. And you kind of yeah. you do see that though. Yeah, um, yeah. You definitely see it now. I mean, there's a relevant argument now because you we end up. Our, our we become uninteresting people. <laughs> no, our jobs are so specific that we to get a skill set, mm. you need to be really proactive and uh, get a hobby. <laughs> and but the, what happens is you find you you're so specific in the work that you do, you don't derive any joy from it, and yeah. then you end up having to self medicate mm. by you know watching drinking. TV, TV drinking, 
you know, consuming whatever media that's been manufactured to, well, can argue, prop you back into the system. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that you don't even have the time to pick up a hobby. Yeah. And so you end up sort of living a life that is very weird. Yeah. Very, almost valueless so, in a way. So almost like you're, uh, let's say the cow pulling the plow. Mm. Like you're just brought out to pull mm. and then you put back in you're to fed. just recover. Yeah, yeah. You're fed, <laughs> you know, and then you're back out. Yeah. So that 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 is the more moralistic argument. And so the idea of each to his own and each to his needs is also the idea that we will be free to explore these things. But back to something you talked about is the incentive question. Yeah. Right? So a lot of people talk about like under socialism, nobody's going to invent anything. Yeah. But like, I think engineers of all people can tell you, real engineers, not me. <laughs> uh, I used to have a bit of that. Mm. But like there's a certain joy, joy. in creating something. Mm. And is it enough to count on that joy? Mm. It's very difficult to say. So I've been re- recently I've been reading a book called Alternatives to Capitalism. So they they have a very detailed system. Mm. They accidentally they in they actually try and recreate a central planning model where like let's say uh, you are part of a commune that makes potatoes. And then we'll all sit down in a council and decide <laughs> what is the price of potatoes <laughs> and how would we exchange this with the commune that makes nails. <laughs> so what is the price of a nail compared to the potato? Yeah. And like, they would try and come up with these more intricate systems. In the past, you might say it's ludicrous. Yeah. But now we have computers. So. Yeah, with technology, actually a lot of things. Actually, it's a bit dangerous to read uh, old uh, philosophy or old economic models because technology has revolutionized things so drastically. You know, like for example, things like no one would have comp- when you talk about feudal systems, for example. No one would have imagined Grav. <laughs> yeah. Grav is the most feudal <laughs> of all <laughs> systems. No, no one, no one would have um, envisioned that we would have, uh, we would be able to. If we talk about democracy, mm-hmm. like Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, they laughed at democracy yeah, yeah, yeah. because it was so far fetched. Wait, one of them didn't. I don't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> I'm quite sure Plato laughed at it, lah. Definitely, because oh, okay. it was so impractical. The guy, the guy who wrote the Republic, do you remember? Yeah, yeah, name? Plato. Hmm, okay, okay. Oh, uh, okay, I, I might stand <laughs> corrected, la, but definitely that generation, because it was so far-fetched, right? One thing is how do you educate the masses to that level, you know? But they did. No, not really. I mean, they had a higher, they had an upper... Yeah, correct. Only the elites took part in democracy. La. Yeah, yeah that they, was the criticism. And they were educated. Mm-hmm. But when talking about the masses, there was no, there were schools that were set up but they couldn't really educate everyone. So they were saying okay. like, yeah, good luck lah bro, that guy. Hold on. Yeah. That is a distortion. That, okay, I've read 300 pages of this. That's a distortion. Okay. So what, what in actuality happens is that there are three classes in Athens. Okay. The elite. Okay, women are not even in these three. Yeah, that's why they are not considered. That's why they're, the, the um, Romans are considered more democratic. No, the Greeks are considered more democratic than the Romans. I always get one confused. I yeah, I can't remember. No, but this is in Athens, so this is not Rome. This is so the Greece. So the Romans are considered more democratic than Athens because I, in Athens, a woman couldn't vote. Correct. Yeah, but I don't know about I. I think Rome they could. Oh, okay, yeah, I remember. Right. Yeah, something. Okay, so there are three classes. Maybe Andre, do you can you check that? <laughs> I don't think is Rome, it's not easy to Google. Is, no, no, you just check is Rome or which was democratic, Rome or or Greece? no? They were both democratic, but like you want women, right? Yeah, no, they were not fully, not really fully democratic, lah. The moment that okay, so so uh, uh, have to too far. have yeah. to get this Athens bit, um, because yep. there were three, there were three classes. classes. Okay. The elite who owned slaves. Sure. The peasant citizens, so the people who didn't own slaves, yeah. uh, but were still citizens and could take part in their democracy. Yeah. And then obviously the slaves. Mm. Right? The the argument that's used to defeat this idea of direct democracy is to say that only the first class of people participated in it. 
mm. which is factually incorrect and has been proven but not very popularized. The, the, second, the second class, the peasant citizen, mm. this was the class that made the difference. Mm. And the argument of this book that I've read mm. is that this is the class that made it democratic. Mm. This was a majority uh, of the voting populace mm. and they were the ones who voted to make Athens more democratic. Mm, mm, mm. So the idea that it was only elites who didn't have, yeah. who were detached from it, yeah. is historically been disproven. Sure, fair enough. I guess my point is that the no one could have comprehend had any comprehension of the technology that was going to come. Like mm. no one would have been able to comprehend yeah, the sure. internet, for example. People probably didn't imagine the steam engine back then, also, like, yeah. yeah. And to be honest, we really have no idea what's going to happen in sixty years. But I think more. Not, not conservative. That's not the right word. But I'd be more reserved about the role of technology. Mm. Like, if you were to say technology would be the reason we would have revolutions down the road, that's a very, dif- that's a very dangerous like, idea. Because like, people have argued that Twitter is what caused the Arab Spring, mm. right? But my, argue- but my thought on that is that that's probably just the easiest means and that was probably just good, good uh, coffee... I mean, discussion over coffee mm. for academics mm, mm, rather than anything really substantial. I think these revolutions would have taken place regardless of technology. So. But you can't deny that, for example, a lot of revolutions were caused by Facebook, for example. Uh, I think they, I, I think it is interesting to view it as the medium, mm. but I think an, a medium would have emerged no less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's sort of my, my way of looking at it. I think uh, it might seem revolutionary given like, if we are, we are seem we would be very easily wowed by what mm. it can do because it's doing a lot right now, yep. and at such a rate that you know scientists are saying like this is like you know we we have not done as much innovation as we've done for like <laughs> three thousand years or whatever, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but socially, yeah. in its ability to shape society and yeah, people, definitely, I think you know if people are hungry, there will still be revolution with or without Twitter. Sure, sure, sure. So it's that kind of thing. Um, Okay, just last point. Going back to that point of, and I think it's an important point, the point of value. Mm-hmm. You know, you mean you mean exchange and uh, use value and exchange value or like? I mean like when we're talking about should I give money to myself or Jade, uh-huh. the extra two ringgit, okay. the two ringgit profit. Right, yeah. It, that's tricky, isn't it? Because like, let's take the example of me and Jane. Mm-hmm. Jane is doing the hard work in terms of the sound editing and all that. Yep. But it was my vision that sort of put this together. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, I'm just talking in terms of you know just <laughs> just you for don't the mean sake, it literally. Yeah, okay. You know, just for the sake of this, right? We should have kept to the potato. Is <laughs> 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 your podcast? It's so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> People are just gonna count, cut sound bites. Yeah. <laughs> and Roshan goes on a rant <laughs> about how he deserves everything. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve nothing. <laughs> so no, like, but how do you quantify like things like being able to um, um, see an opportunity, mm-hmm. um, assess taking a risk and putting in that original cash in, mm-hmm. um, a vision in mm-hmm. developing whatever this uh, platform. Those, those kind of things, it's hard to quantify, right? Um, uh, how do you put value? I would argue that the two ringgit is worth that value that I've also put in. So how do you you know, challenge that. You get what uh, I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Uh, because this is the, the argument, I mean, the argument of who the two, the mm. surplus or the profits belong to mm. is something that uh, you either, I mean, you have to take something of a moral stance on because mm. how can it be really be proven, right? I can't on a equation, I mean, even if I write out equation, it's not obvious mm. who the two bucks belongs to, mm. right? 
Sorry, I hit the, <laughs> hit the arm again. <laughs> I'll have to adjust it again later. Um, but yeah, so the idea is that where is this, where did the capital, so put, so if we were to debate the, the vision and ideas on a side, like where did you get the capital? So mm. uh, an old argument is that this capital mm. is acquired through a form of theft, one way or another. Mm. Because in, in slaveholding societies, basically you're robbing, even if you were just like, you're, you're robbing large portions of their profits, right? Because this is an indentured labor. So one, one okay, sorry, just to, back, just, okay, just to simplify things, one way to make the argument is that it's, that, is that it's disproportionate, mm. right? Of that two bucks, maybe you deserve one buck and Jane deserves a buck, mm. but you're taking two bucks. Mm. So that's the disproportionality argument, mm. right? So that's one way to go about it. Mark Zuckerberg deserves 10% of his wealth mm. because the idea is worth 10%. He stole 90% from the workers he's exploited. Mm. The, the proportionality argument is one way to go about solving this, this issue. Mm. In which, in a socialist society, you would have managers, but you know we could appoint managers. could be more democratic. Mm. You know, and we could decide, you could vote on this manager's wage. So that's one way the disproportionality argument could go down. The other idea is the moral one that, you know, it's because living, because if you had, uh, let's say, uh, we don't want to do the podcast thing because we don't want to use the podcast analogy because you can produce the podcast by yourself <laughs> technically if you chose to just turn on the equipment. But, but we can say that it, would, it wouldn't work. Like, it would be bad. Yeah. yeah. So like if you you own the you own the fr- a factory that made french fries, sure. if, you, if you alone as the capitalist chose not to put your labor, all you would have is some potatoes and a factory, right? Yeah. Yep. So without, the, without the, that… The potentiality to become… Uh, French actionable, fries. you know, to that process of transformation. Yeah. Can, who, who is acting? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. is the, that's the Marxian argument. Mm. So the, so moralism argument, the moralism argument favors the disproportionality one mm. rather than this more technical sort of thing where, you know, it is living labor that creates value. Mm. Right? So it really depends if where you want to fall on it. Mm. But I think, Morally, mm. you can pick either. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe before we end, I'll just say, just to lay out what I, my own personal thing yeah. is that I think I started off uh, really being interested in the invisible hand. Yeah. You know, and I mm-hmm. thought it was a really beautiful kind of concept, like yeah, how sure. market self correct. But as I read more, I realized that uh, it's not as simple as that. Nope. <laughs> um, that um, tyrannical elements do exist that sort of. Mm. Uh, rig the system mm. um, and sort of uh, stop that invisible hand from <laughs> <laughs> moving. La. Um, and so, I mean, in, in Japan, it is, <laughs> if you take that invisible hand analogy, it is a literal hand <laughs> that's smashing you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I've come to realize that, yeah, you need rules in place to make sure um, that um, you don't become ridiculously capitalist that you forget that everyone is reduced to just a commodity yeah something with a price tag yeah mm. um and i do recognize um that we in malaysia we are we benefit in the sense that we sort of have a social welfare program mm. you know we have sort of universal healthcare and um we see the benefits of it um and especially i think when we see how it helps with the elderly mm. Um, the the real downtrodden really benefit from it. You can argue about the quality or whatever. Having to wait long queues, yeah, whatever. Like, whatever. Yeah. But in the end of the day, when People you're are getting freaking it. sick and you have no money, mm. 
Mm. The fact that you can go to a hospital and you're not gonna you there's no no, you know. Mm. You will be helped. That's was it Samantha that said like the therapy is like five bucks? Yeah, something. Something. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, you're I, mean getting... I, I even have uh, you know, aunties and uncles who are, you know, um elderly, right? Senior citizens, and they go for like operations and it's ridiculously cheap. Mm. You know, and that's amazing, yep. right? Uh, and if you're too strict on the ideology, like even for me, if I think that taxes is a form of theft, <laughs> then it's an oversimplification. La, that we, it is a, we do live in a society. Mm-hmm. There is a communal aspect that we shouldn't forget. Mm. And individuality is important. Yep. But of course, we are all sort of connected and tied together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is a fine line. I'm still thinking through things, you sure. know, trying to figure things out. Hopefully, this episode helps you. Hopefully, it wasn't too like all over the place. Uh, it was like, Jane, could you follow? She <laughs> <laughs> was very silent. <laughs> she went to the table and she was eating her chicken. You know, she just, she just consumed. <laughs> she fed into the capitalist structure by eating oh, oh a chicken well. produced by... Um, capitalist <laughs> class. <laughs> uh, Sharon, what are you eating, Sharon? Uh, there. Mashed You're potatoes. eating capitalist mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's delicious. It's made of the tears of laborers. <laughs> it's an interesting bastardization. <laughs> Capitalism. <laughs> I hope they're delicious tears. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> the two Oh, damn. The two bucks belongs to Jane. Jane is going to start a revolution. <laughs> Ask for her two bucks. <laughs> well, you know what? If there was two bucks, I would give it to you. <laughs> right now, it seems to be negative two. <laughs> yeah, negative two. She doesn't want it. <laughs> oh, let's share the liability then, guys. <laughs> mm. uh, People might not be so keen on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, uh, again, la, I had a fun conversation, Jeremy. Um, I mean, <laughs> this is why I think we started up this podcast. It was, yeah, it was fun. Even if people didn't, don't uh, get lost, uh, we had a good time. <laughs> we hope it's beneficial to you listeners. Hopefully. Uh, recommendations. Uh, <laughs> you already said what your recommendations. So I'm going to recommend uh, the Trump uh, Biden debate because mm-hmm. I think it's so damn funny and entertaining. Yeah, you're probably never going to get a debate like this again <laughs> pre- in terms of pre- presidential debates. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna do uh, a joke one and then a real one. Sure. So like the joke one is uh, anarchism. <laughs> try anarchism because no state. You uh, keep recommending concepts, Jeremy. <laughs> what? That's why. That's why this is the joke one. <laughs> sure. Try out so, anarchi- anarchism. So try out anarchism. Yeah. Try and get your workplace to become a union. <laughs> try and have that union form other unions, <laughs> and then maybe after a while we'll have like a giant collection of unions. <laughs> okay. We'll do one general strike, and then we'll overthrow capitalism. <laughs> this is my recommendation. Okay. The real recommendation is uh, go and check out the boys. The boys. <laughs> the boys just wrapped up its finale today. <sighs> oh, yesterday. Sorry. Um, however you want to get it, go and get it. It was great. Ah, the the it. twist at the end was spectacular. Shoot, man. I'm off the series. I'm off watching TV <laughs> for now. But You can read about it in the news, I guess. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. That's another one done. Um, thanks, Jeremy. No worries. And thank you for listening. We are done. Yeah. This is-